Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 51, coming at you from the Minger True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm the host and producer, Eric Fisher, the Big E. Joining me in person, Ramsey Thompson. Ramsey, how you doing, buddy? Awesome. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. And via Zoom, three weeks in a row, it might be a record, Justin Dahl. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Good to be with you guys. Hope all is well over there in De Pere, Wisconsin. Uh, I, I'm ready to get going. Let's get going, guys. Yeah, let's do this. We got a full show once again for everybody. Not sure exactly how long we're going to run, but we're going to run for a while. We got a lot to talk about. As always, got to thank our sponsors, Monkey Knife Fight and Ray's. First Monkey Knife Fight, again, I, if you're not following along with them, I really don't know what you're doing. Because they are willing to put money in your pocket if you simply follow along. Look at the Packer game this week. You could go A.J. Dillon, OBJ, and Devontae Adams. If you do one of those contests, you probably end up winning. Just be smart on who you pick. Just be smart on who you pick. You know, the usual candidates usually do find the end zone in some capacity. You got to pick one kind of wild card here and there once in a while, but the usual suspects usually come gotta, through. You don't got to be smart. Just just give it just give it a shot. Go out on a limb. Them are the ones that give back the most. Go out on a limb, give it a shot, and get a win. And it's the cheapest buy-ins for these contests are $2. If you don't got $2, let's just see what's up. What are you doing? Come on, check it out. Also, our friends over at Ray's Energy just got off their Black Friday sale. Now we're in Raismas, celebrating Christmas a little early. You know what they did today, Ramsey? They brought back the Rainbow Skittle flavor. It was a limited time edition. It sold over out the summer in like super seconds. quick. Yeah, and now it's back. On top of that, the berries and cream is still out there. Berries and cream. That's my favorite. I love bringing that up just every week. I will keep bringing Beaches that up. Berries and cream. Berries and cream. Berries and cream. Oh. Tastes like a cream saver. Check it out. 15% off any order on repsports.com. Code root4, R-O-O-T, number four. That's R-O-O-T, number four. 15% off your order. With that, let's just jump right into it. Boys, what did we root for this week? This is sponsored by Fanatics. Fanatics, whether you're on the top of the world or in the middle of a rebuild, show your love for your team with Fanatics gear. Over 300-plus powered stores, you'll find your team there. It's, it's literally, it's all there. And special thing this week, if, you're, if you can get the express shipping, got jerseys for Jackson this week, this Friday coming up. Get your jersey on. I know that it's, yeah. it's supposed to be specific to baseball, but show, show your support uh, for the tragedy down in Waukesha. Wear a jersey Friday afternoon, jerseys for Jackson. Get your jersey, fanatics.com. Show your love. That was so nice here. I know, right? I gotta go buy that, a baseball just, jersey. I'm gonna go to Shields special thing. and go buy a baseball jersey tomorrow for Friday. I haven't decided who I'm gonna buy yet. I'm really curious what you're gonna do. I'm I'm a little scared. What what what's the odds on favorite? If you're if you're handicapped, I don't even have an odds on favorite to be honest with you. Oh, I really don't know. Justin, you gotta you gotta <gasps> pick whose Rams you're gonna buy tomorrow. Ooh, I think. I think if you could, if you could, you are the type of guy, if you could find this jersey, you are the type of guy that would 
strut your stuff proudly in a Jose Canseco jersey. I think that's not I a think bad that pick. You perfect. But when he goes to Shields, they're not going to have it. I'm thinking that Ramsey's going to get a Fernando Tatis Jr. jersey or a Freddie Freeman or Ronald Acuna jersey from the World Series champion Braves. I, I have Ooh. one I have one picked out. I will unveil it on Friday. Jerseys for Jackson. And like I said, check it out. And you don't have to just do it for Friday. Get your jerseys. Fanatics.com. So with that, what are we rooting for this week? Who's uh, the last guy? No way. Who's the last guy to pop for steroids? That's the that's the last guy. That's the guy Ramsey's gonna pick. Uh probably be D. Gordon then, I think. D. Hey, Gordon. Barry Bonds. Can I find a Barry Bonds jersey? If you can yeah. find one. I would rock <laughs> a, a Barry Bonds Barry jersey. Bonds. Yeah. No, a Giants one. Okay. Just when he's all right it out. Sammy Sosa. <laughs> or uh, Where that one Roger Clemens. There you go. <laughs> anyway, Justin, who what would right. you root for this week? Um, What did I root for this week? I just had it in my brain. Now i got to think about it for a second. Do you have something, Eric? Let me think yeah, about it. Yeah, I'm going to take a, a little bit of a fun route this week. I'm rooting for Giannis, who just discovered dipping Oreos into milk. What a legend. This was the best part of my week last week, and this, that includes spending time with family and going deer hunting and all that you know Thanksgiving week stuff. He sits there. He comes to America, what, seven years ago? Eats Oreos for a month, he says. He ate or- nothing but Oreos for like a month. Got sick of them. Didn't he, didn't he say the same thing about like Chick-fil-A or something like that? No, no, no. He does love Chick-fil-A. He does love Chick-fil-A, but when he came to America, he also loved smoothies. His tweet, I found this tweet the other day, and it's something that's bounced around the internet at different times, but it said, just discovered a smoothie for the first time, God bless America, or something like that, or I love America, or something like that. And how, What a wholesome guy, but anyway, so... He goes on to say how he was hanging out with this kid, which I, I got to ask, first of all, if you're this kid, you're hanging out with the, the reigning finals MVP, a world champion, and you're just looking at him, hey, you ever put Oreos in milk? <laughs> like, you can ask him all this basketball <laughs> stuff, you know? And he's just like, hey. You just taught the greatest basketball player in the world something. That would be pretty cool. And he, so he's telling, he's telling the story, like I said, he comes to America, didn't get to eat Oreos as a kid because they were always too expensive. You know, grew up very poor. Looked at a thing of luxury. He gets a little bit of money coming in the NBA as a rookie. Buys nothing but Oreos. Houses Oreos. House and Oreos for a month straight. Got sick of them. Until seven years later, the kid says to him, while hanging out randomly apparently, hey, you ever put them in milk? <laughs> so, <laughs> so he tells a story about how he dunked it in there. And... It was this life-changing thing for him. And he said, what the hell? And his, his Greek voice that he's got like that, with a little bit of the accent still there, he said, what the hell? Think of this is the, the best thing ever. It's his new every-night snack now, is milk and Oreos. So that's good for Giannis. I don't know how, like I said, you're in this country for seven years. That should be like the first thing. If you ever come to America for the first time, that should be like an instruction manual. How to be American. I should write a book. Things to do when you get to America. Just sell it in like airports. Overseas. Oh, airports. Yeah. Every airport in America. See my face saying Ramsey's tips for America. For Ramsey's. I like that. I'll help write that book. That might be a new thing coming. <laughs> the route for Wisconsin tips for living in America. 
Ah, I like where it's going. It's got a it's That's got a, a ring seller. to it, guys. I think I think we could, you know, at least fill up ten to fifteen pages. It's more of a pamphlet. It's not even a fucking book. It's just one of those packets that come up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I root for this week. Good for Giannis figuring out. And like I said, good for that kid. Like I said, you're in a you're in a conversation with the reigning NBA champion, two time MVP. You ever dip Oreos in milk? I love that. So Ramsey, Justin, who wants to go next? So what before we hop on, did the kid know about it? Like did the kid just find out about it too? I don't know. That would like, have been the question I would ask first. Like That's so, a good question. Because why would you bring that up if you didn't just figure it out? That, that's a good right, point. like a like, seven-year-old's like, "Hey, I just tried this. You've got to do hey, this. You got to, <laughs> you got to try this. This is awesome. This is just parents awesome, failing all over it. the place. Oh my god, dude! You, I think you're correct. That's what. That's how that happened. <laughs> all right, Rams. What do you got for us this week? What you nothing? Uh, we're still going this route. Yeah, I'm gonna be salty for a little while. Okay, Justin. All right, I got it. I rooted for the smartest guy in the room. And quite frankly, he's the smartest <laughs> guy that that was in college football Saturday night going into Sunday morning. And that was Lincoln Riley, the former Oklahoma Sooners head football coach, ditched in the middle of the morning for greener pastures and easier pastures in a, in a life of ease in L.A. Did you guys see the deal that USC gave this guy? Let me ask. It was $130 million, right? No. I, 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 I'm more or less. I think he's getting $9.5 a, a year. Uh, $9.5 million all of a sudden is the new standard. Plus bonuses that are undisclosed on the side. But not only that, he has two houses that are currently in Oklahoma. USC bought both of those. One of those is uh, just brand new, brand new built. And then they bought him a $6 million house in LA. This guy got $9.5 million a year on like a seven year contract. And then he got a $6 million house. He got three houses out of the deal. That's a hell of a deal. He's the smartest guy in college football right now. So I'd like to touch on that. I've been kind of holding off on this for a few days now. I have a lot to say on this, too. Not only is he the smartest guy, he might be the smartest guy in college football, and honestly, if you were a college, if you're a college football fan not in Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley probably solely just saved the Pac-10. Pac-12. Is it still the Pac-12? Yeah, it's still the Pac-10. Pac-10. Isn't there ten teams though? I have no idea. Oh, there's fourteen. Is there four? Whoever it is, that's how irrelevant oh. they are. The only oh, team that's four. ever mattered out there is Oregon for the last decade. USC has been in the dumpster. With a brief stint of relevance from Washington for like two years. And one, Utah. But Utah's not even good. Like, they beat Oregon, but that's... They have one good game a year. That's how it's always been. But if you are a college football fan, they saved an entire conference. And remember, we talked about this when Oklahoma and Texas decided that they were going to go to the SEC. 
saying that that's a dying conference and that we might get mega conferences. With Lincoln Riley mm-hmm. being in the LA market, is going to generate so much money that that conference will probably solely be running on USC and Oregon. On top of all that, yeah. uh, for college football as a whole, there's traditionally speaking, at least the East Coast north of Atlanta doesn't overly care about college football. Obviously, like South Carolina, I guess I should say outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, everywhere north of there is pretty much a black hole for college football ratings. It's just not as much in the culture as it is everywhere else in the country. So for the last decade, the West Coast has been relatively irrelevant. What Oregon was good in, well, not a decade, probably half decade, last five years. No, Oregon's been relevant since Chip Kelly. You got to go back to Chip Kelly, and that was early 2010s. So that's what I'm saying. It's about eight to ten years it's been since the West Coast has really had a true top program out that way. So the ratings have been dipping. So the fact that Lincoln Riley is going to USC tells you a lot about where college football is headed. It actually kind of says a lot about what Oklahoma is. And it says it's just good for the sport in general. See, I'm going to weigh in here. I I was not a big fan of the move. I didn't get the move (coughs) that much when it first happened. Do you want me to explain it to you real quick? No, I'm good. You know how many five-star recruits come out of L.A.? True. You know how many five-star recruits he's already stolen from Oklahoma? No, no, no. Like I said, I've thought about this more in the last couple days. Lincoln Riley going to USC, I can officially get on board with him now. I'm I'm very much on board with it. And you're right. It's going to be so good for college football. It's good in the aspect that he gets to, in a way, kind of start fresh. He has a lot more pressure on him now than he did at Oklahoma. Because if you're out in the, you're out in LA. That's the second biggest market in this country, and really, if we're t- if we're talking for college football, it's going to become the biggest market for college football between him being out there. You've still got UCLA going on. So I agree with you to a point. But you also got to remember how much else is going on in LA right now. They have two professional baseball teams, two professional football teams. Right. The the Lakers, the Clippers. Yep. And then USC, right? So USC, if they're not an instant success, Lincoln Riley has, he'll get his contract. And, you know, that's what Pete Carroll used to say too. Pete Carroll did not leave Southern California unless the player that he was going to recruit was a first-round draft grade player. It's going to turn that program. That program will be turned around in 18 months. No, I, I like I said, I'm a big fan, especially with the transfer portal. For this, college, this specific move in college football, I love. Now, just to transition here to my nugget of the week. I'm going to disagree with this wholeheartedly, just so you know. Brian Kelly handled this the worst way. Absolutely wrong. Yeah. And I'm officially, and I, not that I wasn't already, because I've been big on the side of students anyway. I never want to hear anyone rag on people for going in the transfer portal after this. How this week shook out. Especially from Notre Dame right now. Where you don't even get the courtesy of, you get the courtesy of a half-assed text message in a two-minute meeting. 
What is the guy supposed to do? Yeah, what does he owe those players? He owes those guys absolutely nothing with the transfer what, portal. What? He gave well, them an opportunity off, at Notre Dame. What is the guy... Back, even back up, what is the guy supposed to do? The guy gets hired and jumps on a plane and the news is already out and broke before he can even tell his players. That's how crazy the media is. And you should know that with you being in the media. That is a, that is information-craved uh, business. And the first one to break it is the best one, right? So they're watching, and there are people that are literally sitting at an airport waiting for news. And the guy does the best he can. See, I don't think he did the best he did. While if, on the plane. While I on think plane, in Brian back. Kelly specifically. Brian Kelly's... Brian Kelly specifically had a chance to probably tell them before that game or after that game ends on Saturday to tell but them. No, you know when you're going there. Saturday. He wasn't interviewing. He was going there to hire to to sign a contract. Okay, he doesn't owe his players anything. Just like if my boss decides to leave on Monday, he doesn't owe me an explanation why he's leaving. Yeah, but you can go elsewhere and so not have to can suffer for a year. every single player in the transfer portal. You don't have to sit out for a year. Okay, but they're going to be fine. And none of those players... And honestly, what this tells you about Notre Dame is anything you need to know about college football. Notre Dame is not a powerhouse anymore. Brian Kelly has an outside chance of making the college football playoff, and he knows that he's going to get Georgia the first round and get smashed. Because they'll, I've said this before on the show, and people kind of laugh at me, and they go, oh, that's not how it is. In college football, you have to have a top 10 recruiting class to be considered a national power. Notre Dame, with how their academic restrictions are, aren't going to get that five-star recruits. They just don't. You can't get the high enough quality of player to get to Notre Dame to get through the academic standards and all the politics that are at Notre Dame to actually be a national title contending team. They got smashed by Cincinnati at home. Right. Brian Kelly knows exactly what that roster is. Brian Kelly knows that he goes to LSU, he's going to be able to be just as competitive with Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and even Lincoln Riley at this point. Brian Kelly might be, that might be a better job than the USC job, to be honest with you. As of right now, I'd probably agree with you. It's a better Ooh. job. I just don't like the way he handles it, especially Ooh. the optics of it. When your team is still potentially, and I'm not saying that they are going to, but they're still potentially in line for a college football playoff spot. But they wouldn't get there. Well, if, if they got there, they're going to smash. Sure. And like I've said before, it's better to not go than go and get blown out by 40. It's better not to get that national game because winning a college football national title at this point <coughs> has been the right team. We know right now that if Notre Dame plays Georgia, that game's what, probably 14 points. Georgia's the favorite, probably by 14. Something like that. First coming out lines, I would agree. So we're talking that this Notre Dame team is going to get – even they're going to have to go – they'd have to get an Alabama loss, which I think Georgia's probably going to beat Alabama coming up here. I also think that Oklahoma State's probably going to beat Baylor. So you're probably going to have Oklahoma State jump into that Final Four regardless. Because you're going to so take – If Alabama out, loses, Georgia – if Alabama loses, Alabama's out. Yes, because yep. they moved Alabama to three. They moved Alabama to three for a reason, and they're setting that up so that – because the committee is thinking that Georgia's probably going to beat Alabama. 
So let me play let me play this scenario for you. Let's just say hell freezes over. Let's say Alabama loses and Michigan loses this week. What happens? Cincinnati's in, obviously. If, assuming they win. Georgia's in. The Cincinnati is probably in. You said if Alabama loses and Michigan loses, is that what you said? Oklahoma yep. State's yep. in. Whoever wins that pack or that uh, Big Twelve championship game gets in because those are both one loss teams. Right. Nope. Baylor's got two. Do they? Yep. But I still think you take a two loss Baylor team over a one loss Notre Dame team. And that's and I'm I, honestly if Michigan loses, it'll probably be Alabama, regardless of what happens. I would have a I'm gonna especially with the Brian Kelly news at this point. I'm guessing that that Notre Dame team will not make the Final Four, regardless of what happens this weekend. No, and that's that's I feel bad for those players because they're the ones who are going to get screwed out of this, and that's ultimately what I'm kind of getting at here is just the whole optics of it, where you could wait that month. You can't wait that month though. Early recruiting you starts can. two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. You can't wait a two month. Two weeks. You that's got not, a signing period. Yep. Man. You got to start wait. signing kids in two weeks. And that's also on the NCAA, which I hate as a whole okay, organization. Okay, I agree, and we can all agree on that, that the early signing period is stupid. But all those five-star kids are committing in two weeks because they want to be in spring ball. Well, so right. They, they want to be there in January when new semester starts. Yep, and that's, and that's the issue with the NCAA. And we've talked about that before. They need to have a commissioner. They need to have a governing body over the NCAA because the current system is trash. Absolutely garbage. Because, you know, there shouldn't be a scenario where we're even sitting here and saying, oh, well, Notre Dame, a one-loss Notre Dame team minus Brian Kelly is probably not getting in because Brian Kelly's not there. That shouldn't necessarily be a conversation we're having. However, at the end of the day, the college football playoff is nothing but about money. Oh, 100%. And a a one-loss Notre Dame team minus Brian Kelly is not going to draw like some of those other teams are right now. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. See, I think a one-loss Notre Dame team still draws just on the fact that they're Notre Dame. They're still a universally loved or hated organization, and they have a lot of widespread appeal. Yeah, but they're only decent win this year. Is going to send, or they're They've only, got two ranked opponents they played this year. That was Wisconsin-Cincinnati. They got boat raced by Cincinnati, Cincinnati and they beat Wisconsin pretty handily. Right, so their best win this year is Wisconsin, and we can all probably agree that Wisconsin's not that good. No. I mean, they're not Wisconsin is a decent not good team. At all. But they are so one dimensional. And sucked. so it's that's they the suck. other thing with Notre Just Dame like too. This show, they suck. The Notre Dame schedule is trash. They don't play in a conference, they're not playing in a title game this week. And that absolutely hurt, uh, hinders them. Yeah. Not one hundred percent. I hate I do that. Not, I do not agree. I, and I don't understand um, the college football playoff giving them an in just because they're Notre Dame. Uh, it makes no sense to me. Why doesn't BYU get the same deal? Why, you know, like New Mexico State's an independent. Why don't they get the same damn deal that Notre Dame does? Because they have their own TV station in NBC that they play part-time on. It's, it's a joke. That, that part of this whole deal is a joke. Um, it's it's interesting to see what happens going forward. I'm really I'm really interested in the aspect of career wise 
what this move does for uh, Brian Kelly. Like, I don't, I guess I don't understand. And I could say, you know, he's getting nine and a half million a year base. There's that number again, nine and a half million. But everything beyond that is uh, a pay enhancement. So if he makes a bowl, he gets half a million dollars. If he makes a New Year's six, so he'll get another million dollars. It, it works out to where this guy could make $15 million a year. That part, career-wise, makes sense to me. But knowing who you have to go up against, and maybe Saban is on his last legs, but Kirby Smart's not. Uh, Texas is going to end up getting stronger. Jimbo Fisher is strong. Auburn is still there. You know, you're going through a murderer's role. Lane Kiffin in that SEC. old mess. Yeah, absolutely, 110. percent And that here. team's getting better. You're correct. And this, so, I, and honestly, we're talking about we're talking about Lehman Riley just a second ago. I think that's part of the reason too. I think it's 110 percent because you can't go and so Brian Kelly going to LSU. Best case scenario is the second best coach in the entire conference. On the best case scenario, and I don't necessarily think that Brian Kelly is better than Kirby Smart is. So you're talking. No, I don't think so either. So you're talking at this point, you're number three in the conference. So, I I think that I don't think he's better than Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher's a national championship coach. Yeah. You know what? He's got a ring. But he had that one decent year in thirteen, right? What is he, whenever he was at Florida State? Yeah, it was yeah. with Jameis. But there wasn't really much before Jameis. that, and there wasn't really much after that. So I would say that Brian Kelly is probably in the same boat as Jimbo Fisher. I, okay. And probably Lane Kiffin is right there as well. So on a yep. bad recruiting year, you're talking that you can be sixth or seventh in the conference. And that's the thing with LSU. That's not going to fly. So. <laughs> Correct. Especially assuming you just had, a, you just fired a coach that won a national championship two years ago. I mean, there are a lot of other schools, regardless of his personal transgressions of what he's going through in life. There are a lot of schools. If you bring them a national championship, they'll overlook a hell of a lot. But two years? Well, I mean, two years. There's been a lot of schools have looked over a lot for people that haven't brought them a national title. I mean, how absolutely (laughs) think about just look around the NCAA and look at some of these scumbag coaches. And what they've been up to lately, and you'll Brian find out Kelly. real quick. Right. And Brian uh, Kelly certainly fits the, the mold of scumbag more than he than he fits the mold of a a, a, a person to trust and, and trust your life into. Well, and that's the thing, so, ultimately, that gave this my nuggie, and we'll get back to your guys' nuggies here in a second, but this isn't the first time he just bailed on a program like the way he did. Because there's ways to do it, there's ways to handle it, and I don't think he handled it properly at all. But he did the same shit to Cincinnati when he left for Notre Dame. I think I think the media loves to hate Brian Kelly. I'm not a Brian Kelly apologist, but when we're talking about, and, and I haven't looked back at the Cincinnati deal, but when we're talking about this deal, I don't know how he could have done it. If he would have been a scumbag, he would have never went back to Notre Dame and even talked to those kids. But he really didn't, though. He would That's... Have never... But he, he did. 
There's a he, video of it. He did, but it lasts two minutes. But like I said, though, how many people last much more than two yeah. minutes? What? How long do you say goodbye for? A half hour? <laughs> there's, you know, there's nothing that says that. He, there's nothing uh, outside of the reports that says he he hasn't shared a text message with these players. Or, so or the other like the other element, and again, this is a business. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it with this, and and we'll go here. Is and I guess in his parting press conference with the AD from Nerdam, is how blindsided they were, because it was never a, hey, I want this, you can't have that. Okay, I'm leaving. It was just, hey, I'm leaving. Yes, but that's Notre Dame though. The the Notre. Well, I don't know that I agree with that either because Swarbrick himself has has come out and blatantly said that he's not surprised that he's leaving. That there were things that have led up to this event that were kind of in a timeline that made it look like he was leaving. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think they were blindsided at all that it was this, this, or this. I would guess I'd hit on this. I don't know that I agree with that. You were saying how Lincoln Riley even did it, though. Lincoln Riley told his players, they were saying two weeks before, that he was leaving after Oklahoma State. One of the defensive linemen... Playing at Oklahoma said that on Twitter today or yesterday. Really? I, yeah, that they knew about it beforehand. And that that's, I think, what I ultimately, that's my biggest problem is you go down to LSU, you, you have an idea. You know, you don't have to say, yes, I'm doing this or whatever. And, and we can fault the NCAA just for how their early signing period is kind of false into this. But these players are sitting there, and when he left Cincinnati, it was two days prior to that he said, hey, I'm not leaving. Then two days later, he left. Sure, I'd leave Cincinnati if Notre Dame, too. I probably would, too, if I was a coach. And I'd leave Notre Dame for LSU. I also would, too. Like I said, it's just the process. So that's my nuggie. Uh, we we spent quite a bit of time on this just because, you know, the college, conversation of college so football. Your, your nuggie your is not necessarily with Brian Kelly. Your, your nuggie is with the process. It's both. It, it's both Brian Kelly and the process. Brian Kelly is a scumbag. He's a very unlikable guy. I agree. But I just don't know how he could have done a better job in this situation. We'll leave it at that. All right. Justin, you have a noogie? You for giving Brian Kelly a noogie for this uh, situation. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't really have a noogie. To be honest with you, it was a pretty quiet week. It could be. I got it. I'm going to give the noogie to Paul Christ in the handling of that horrible decision. <laughs> oh, my God. With four minutes left, and you're fourth and one, and you allow your stupid-ass special teams coach to put the fake punt team out there? That's the excuse you're going to go with? And then call timeout after a delay of game, and then go for it on fourth and six. What that a- is the most... Noogie-ish thing. That might be dumpster fire of the year. There Appropriate. Was, right there now. was another dumpster fire of the year candidate out there this weekend. Let's hear it, Rams. Um, the one and only Kirk Cousins lining up behind yes. the guard. Oh, on yeah, what, awesome. Another fourth and sixth play on the I road in San Francisco. That. <laughs> that, I laughed so, so hard when I saw that. I think that uh, 
I I agree with Justin though. That was some of the. Did Wisconsin look bad? They looked awful. And that's your rivalry game. That's your trophy game. That's a game that gets you into the Big Ten championship. You're not going to the college football playoff this year, but that gets you into the Big Ten championship game again. They're not going as long as Paul Chris is there. I I'm I think I have to agree with you on that. That's a hundred percent facts. I will. You can. I've watched the Badgers four or five times this year, once in person, probably about four times on TV, and they are so antiquated and outdated. They are. If it wasn't for Jem Leonard and that defense, that team would get blown out by thirty points every week. Wait, wait. Did you say Jeff Leonard? No, he said Jim. I said Jim. Oh, okay. But I was going to give you a noogie. No, I, I would Jeff 100% Leonard. agree, though, is this is, I think, and then they had some stinkers this year in big moments. This was the worst I think they looked all year. They played so, they played so one-dimensional. I'll let Justin go into that in a little bit here when we get to the Badger report, but... It it was just it was so infuriating to watch, because all these things that they've done in the last well in that seven game win streak that they've done in past years went right to the wayside, and it went back to the ways that we saw them play late last year, and the early parts of this year, and you're sitting your head scratching how in the hell did they pull off seven straight games in such dominant fashion, and and granted they weren't playing like the world beater teams but. They looked like a totally different team out there this weekend. Paul Chris just got smacked around by P.J. Fleck. That's all it was. P.J. Fleck outcoached that entire game. And that, I really, at any point, do we really think that Wisconsin is going to actually win that game? Going into it 100%. After the game started? And and kickoff. After kickoff. It was their point where we're like, oh, Wisconsin's for sure going to win this game. No. When they got the pick six, the pick six, I thought. when I thought, oh, shit. Oh, shit. When I went, oh, shit. I thought it was when Michigan beat Ohio State, and I said, oh, my God, it's going to be one of those days. And Auburn was playing Alabama tough, and it was one of those days. It was an absolute shit show. Even Alabama was an absolute shit show. Well, I don't think Alabama's that uh, good, though. I don't disagree, but they're twice the team that Auburn is. Alabama struggled to be fair. What's that? Alabama's really struggled in spots this year. Yeah, absolutely. That's you, not it's not the same Alabama as it has been for the last decade. It's this is probably the worst Alabama team that's been there since 09. Now watch, we'll say that and then they'll go boat race Georgia. They're gonna smash yeah. Georgia and then <laughs> they're gonna go boat race Georgia twice and and win the national championship. Which in, anyways would that surprise anyone though? No, nope, because a national it's title, Alabama. It's Alabama. Hey, it's not Wisconsin, where they run the ball four thousand times straight up the gut. And as soon as the run doesn't work, we get so one dimensional that we can't get anything else figured out. And it's almost well, em- it's, it's almost embarrassing. It, it is embarrassing. It's embarrassing how predictable yeah. it is. Like, it's embarrassing how predictable it is. It's embarrassing that. Our offense looks like it's from 1974. Like it's, there's no creativity behind it. I, it's it's sad, 
And the other sad part about it is, too, that we have coaches like Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly who just signed for $9.5 million, right? Wisconsin yep. will never pony up that kind of money to get a coach that's actually going to change that. Right, and their top 20 uh, athletic department grossing in the nation. Right, but Wisconsin is not, they're not flashy enough to go out and actually sign one of these coaches that's going to make a difference. So it's never going to actually get much better, and that's kind of the harsh reality, I guess, of the situation is that they're never going to go get that coach. It's going to be able to get the guys in there. And honestly, Wisconsin runs into some of the problems that Notre Dame does. But, see, here, here, is, here is the fine line of what Wisconsin is. Like, you would have said 20 years ago, in, in talking about Wisconsin football, if we went 8-4, and four, we would have never thought that we would think about having our coach on the hot seat. Never, sure, ever, you know. And Wisconsin needs to get with the times and realize uh, where their program stature is and what they can draw and what is happening within the program. Because there's a, again, we've talked about this a couple times. There's a lot that's going on. We're losing assistance, we're losing current roster players we're losing recruits because something within the program is off and it needs to be fixed and i, I read one great article uh i believe it was on bucky's fifth quarter and i think it said the best move paul christ can make this summer is to fire paul christ the offensive coordinator and i i couldn't agree more with that. And I think it's time to get rid of Joe Rudolph and Chris Herring. Um, specifically move Bob Volstead, the linebackers coach, back to offensive line when Wisconsin's offensive line was really known for what Wisconsin's offensive line is known for. Uh, just a towering wall that will push you through a wall. Um, then I think there's a great name out there that Wisconsin should really pursue. Uh, I think they should hire him as the offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. He ran uh, a version of the spread RPO option uh, at Duke. And I think if you can go and get David Cutcliffe to run your offense, we will take a step in a correct direction. Well, and the problem is, and I, I truly think this, and I, when we were at the Badger game, I told this to Eric. I, I said, you watch Graham Mertz walk out, and you go, he looks like a pro quarterback. Yeah. He looks like a pro quarterback. And I'm not sure where the disconnect is from. It's a weird thing. When you've been around athletics a little while, especially in lower levels, right, high school games, college games, you can usually point at the player on the court or the player on the field and go, that's a pro, the right? The alpha dog, Almost yeah. right away. Graham Mertz looked like that. I watched him run on the field. I'm like, he looks like a pro quarterback. Mm -hmm. He has. He looks. That's the guy who looks like a pro quarterback. And then and he's you, got the arm talent for it too. He has the arm talent. We know he has the arm talent because he's shown flashes. But we start getting these games, and I, I have a hard time believing that Graham Mertz isn't is the issue and not the offensive system that he's in. 
And I don't, you're going to have a hard time convincing me other than that. And it's just, it's so outdated. It looks old. It looks boring. I totally agree. And it's, it's, 100, oh, yeah. it's, it's so one-dimensional, too, that when you look at that offense as a whole, and if, they're, if they can't get the run going, because that's, that's what happened this week. Minnesota has a great front five, front six, whatever you want to go with, in stopping the run. They were the fourth-ranked run-stopping unit in the conference. They couldn't stop their or they couldn't get the run going right away, and they don't have a good enough offense to get them off of the run. And it's not an arm talent issue. It's not necessarily a decision making issue because Graham, to his credit, he has made a lot of the right reads. There's a lot of times you're sitting there scratching your head like, "What the hell is he doing?" Where he's forcing the ball somewhere and doesn't need to. But there's a lot of time where he's making the right reads. Yep. They've got guys that drop open routes. Yep. I mean, we saw it at the Iowa game where Kendrick Pryor, Kendrick Pryor just, drops just a wonderful. ball on the sideline. It hits him yep. in the hands, hits him in the chest, and then falls to the ground. Well, I think there was a couple times and at the Iowa game specifically because it's kind of hard to watch full offense on TV. So in person, it's always easier to watch receivers run routes because you can mm-hmm. watch the entire field, right? There was a couple of times in the Iowa game itself that it looked to me like receivers were out of position to begin with. Right. It looked like routes weren't necessarily a thousand percent discipline. They weren't crisp. It looks, they weren't efficient. Right. It more looked like what you see when you go to the park on Saturday and you have a dad and his kids running routes. Like and they're running out routes that aren't sharp. They're running kind of looped routes. They're right. running. No, I got you on that. I 100% agree. And I think you see that even in the Minnesota game sometimes where receivers and tight ends seem to not necessarily be in the correct position on the field. And honestly, for a quarterback, that's probably the hardest part is if you have skilled personnel not in the correct position. Mm-hmm. Because there's a when you're reading a defense and you have people rushing at you, you have to focus downfield. And a lot of times, it's a quarterback is running off of a pre-snap read and what he thinks the defense is going to do, and then he's going to throw it to a spot. And he's going like to res- hope the receiver does the rest. It's not quite like Madden where you know there's no pain involved. When you get hit, it hurts. So when you drop back and read the field, you have... 20 other guys running around, moving in front of you, and you have to decipher. So sometimes you have to throw to a spot. And I think that's where Graham Mertz ran into some issues, is that he's thrown to the spot, and the guys aren't at the spot they're supposed to be. No, 100%. And you can, sure. you can see that, and you put that all together. Because if you really think about it, I mean, any sport really, it's, it's so timing-based. You get the snap, and it's, it's not like Madden. You've got three seconds, four seconds to read three different... Nope. Reads, you gotta go, you gotta make your progressions. If that person's not in their spot at that progression, you've got to move on to the next one. They might open be end up being open on film. Right. But if they're not where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be, you've got to bounce to the next read. And when you're running for your life and you can't stand up into the pocket, like with like he hasn't been able to at times, because you watch him just get plastered most weeks too. Yep. Graham Mertz takes way too many hits. Yeah. For how good of a quote unquote oh, yeah. how good of a line Wisconsin's line is, he takes hit after hit after hit, releasing the ball as he's getting hit. 
And that's another thing that goes unnoticed. Another thing that goes unmentioned by the average sports fan. But anyway, that's probably kind of most of our badge report for the football side of things. I'll let Justin talk a little bit about the badges football team. But Ramsey, we didn't get to your Nugget of the Week yet. My Nugget of the Week is some local media. And I'm not going to get into who it was or where they're from. But it is embarrassing to listen to some of the local media on how they run radio shows right now. And I'm not saying that our show is anything special, because we're just three average dudes. But I'd rather listen to our show than anything that's on local radio right now. I feel bad if other people are coming into town for sporting events, and they turn the local sports talk channel, and that's what they hear. It's embarrassing. So be better local Green Bay media. Do you have a specific instance? I'm not even going to get into it. Because I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus due to affiliations. Oh, oh, sh- oh, shit. Okay, I got gotcha. you. But we're not. That's all I'm going to say on that topic. All right, fair enough. So with that, um, quick Bucks report. I mean, hey, they're doing great. They've won what seven straight? I think eight straight. Something I like got. That. I do got. So I do got a little question on the Bucks report. For you guys, just so we could touch a little bit on these guys because they they've reeled uh, some of them off. What do you think about the signing of Demarcus Boogie Cousins adding to the team? What do you guys think about it? I'm curious on it. I, I'll I'll say that, and I'm I was I'm glad you bring this up, Justin, because I was going to transition to this. Thanks, buddy. Oh. <laughs> um, yes, they they go bring in Boogie Cousins, um, in part due to not having. Uh, Brooke Lopez available to this point. So I believe that's a one-year non-guaranteed deal for the rest of the season. Is that correct, Justin? I would guess so. So by no means is DeMarcus Cousins, the guy that was playing for the Kings and tearing it up for the Kings, what, five years ago? Probably longer than that, no. Yep. He's not the guy that the the Pelicans traded half their roster to play alongside... Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis with. He's not that guy anymore. Nope. But if he's a guy who can play alongside with Bobby, play alongside with Giannis, and I think last year he had like 15-4 or 15-4, and that's what he was putting up last year, I believe, was the average. If he can do something like that and put up 15 a game and get some rebounds and spell Bobby Porras, spell... Brooke Lopez, when he comes back, I'm all for it. I, I'm against it, personally. I Boogie Cousins really? has a reputation in the league that's not necessarily great. I, and to be honest, he hasn't been that bad lately, but he has been noisy at times in his career, or at times in his career thus far. I would not want to mess up the chemistry in the locker room for a guy who I don't know how talented he is anymore. Because really the chemistry in the locker room is going to be more important than what Boogie Cousins is going to bring into Milwaukee. So in my opinion, I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm always okay with acquiring talent if the talent fits the locker room. And I would trust that the Bucks front office did due diligence. Did their due diligence to look into it, so I'm not going to harp on it too bad, but in my opinion, I probably would have stayed away. 
What do you think, Justin? I actually agree with both of you. I, I, I think it's something that can help. Uh, I think the fact that it's a short-term deal that's not guaranteed uh, helps in the fact that with what Ramsey was saying, if he does become loud and he becomes a nuisance in, in the locker room, it's an easy cut. It's, a, it's an easy get rid of and, you know, bygones be bygones. But it's to me, it's one of those things where, where you know, it, it, you, it's boom or bust. You know, you, you can... You can get uh, the most out of something that was very cheap, and I, I think that's the likely scenario to to uh, what this situation is going to bring. So, I I would tend to like it more than I tend to dislike it. Yeah, like I said, ultimately, it it moves the needle into the sense of who it is because of the name and the reputation. Is it a move that means what it means now than it, more than it means five years ago? No, in the sense that he's not that guy anymore. Also, Notre Dame is expected to announce defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman to head coach going forward, so they're, they've already got their guy. Where uh, did you get that off of? That is per CBS and The Athletic, who is reporting it per The Athletic's Bruce Feldman. Okay. So just to kind of dip back to that conversation, I'm little breaking news, forward. little breaking news that'll be old news by the time you're listening to this, but that's the business of podcast, baby. I also a little bit of breaking news. Uh, Richard Petty sold its charters to GMS. Really? Yeah, I saw that, Ramsey. What do you think of that? It's good. GMS has put a lot of money into the sport so far. I'm all for, and Richard Petty Motorsports for the most part has been floundering for the last 40 years, so... I mean, they really haven't been relevant since, what, 1979? True. So, <laughs> I, I'm all for it. I think it's interesting. Uh, they're keeping, so Richard Petty keeps uh, a minority share. Now, this guy that had, this Andrew Meerstein guy, who had the majority stock in RPM, has sold his shares to GMS is what I'm getting out of this transition. I there? also, yep. Okay. So then RPM is really still RPM, but just merged with GMS? That's what it sounds like. I haven't heard... Obviously, we'll know more probably by the time this podcast is out, but it sounds like it's more of a merger than a buyout. But it sounds like Richard Petty's kind of stepping away a little bit. Because, I mean, Richard Petty is, what, mid-70s at this point? 80. Close to 80. Yeah. So we're talking about a guy who I'm sure probably doesn't want to be involved in the day-to-day operations of a mediocre NASCAR team anymore. He's 84, by the way. <laughs> exactly. So, right, 84. He looks good, though. I've seen Richard Petty lately. He looks like he's in good health and good standing, but... I'm sure that there's some part of, because he still does, he still has a uh, shop that does a lot of aftermarket performance for Mopar, and I'm I believe he's fairly heavily involved with that, so I would guess that's probably part of that he still has other stuff going on. It's just so reading on this um, from NASCAR.com as it 
came out three hours ago, and just kind of getting my spin here. It looks like you are right that it is going to be a merger. The two charters are included in the agreement, so it'll continue to be Ty Dillon as the 94 and Eric Jones in the 43. Because Eric Jones just signed a big sponsor, and he, I believe they signed through most of the races next year. So Eric Jones is, Yeah, so Eric Jones is almost fully funded for next season, which for the non-NASCAR fans that are listening, when you, someone gets full funded in NASCAR, it's kind of a big deal. There's not very many drivers that actually have full funding for the entire year. So, so anyway. No, it's interesting. I, wa- I wonder how, how long they're going to stick on the Ty Dillon and how, how, how much sponsorship he really brings. He's big with Bass Pro. It, Bass Pro sponsors a lot of Ty Dillon stuff. So he probably has enough funding just when Bass Pro alone. And... For what it's worth, there's not really a better option on the table right now coming in the Chevy pipeline. So I don't really see that changing all that much. Probably for the rest of the year, it'll probably be Ty Dillon and Eric Jones. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'm, well, long-term, not the answer. I think Eric Jones can be a long-term answer for or whatever they call themselves now, and if it's just GMS, if it's GMS, yeah, whatever they're going to merge it to. So, all right, so interesting takes. That's our little bit of the Bucks report that turns into NASCAR. That's what the Buck and Justin. I know we talked quite a bit about Badger football. Badger basketball, pretty good week last week. Hell of a week, Eric. Just a just a outstanding week. Beat Texas A and M. Uh, old Buzz Williams took him down. That was a, a a great win. We thought, well, maybe this team is growing up right before our eyes. And then they take down a tremendously good uh, Houston team. Um, completely different roster, but a team and a coach that went to the Final Four last year. They were ranked number 12 at the time. They were up 20 points at halftime and hung on to win. Uh, in a late surge by Houston. Um, that was a huge win. Houston ends up taking third in the Maui Invitational. And then uh, just really grinding out a, a game in which they really didn't lead all that much throughout the whole game against St. Mary's to win the Jim Maui Invitational. Uh, just a, a bunch of young guys going in there, not knowing what the hell they're doing and uh, kind of finding the uh, their mojo and, and I'll tell you what, isn't Johnny Davis a hell of a basketball player to watch at the college level? You know, he is a, a special character. You I talk think. about, you know, we talked about earlier with Graham Mertz how there's certain athletes that just have that look. They step on the floor, they step on the on the field, and you watch them play, and they're just they are that guy, you know, or that girl. Johnny Davis is that guy. And when yeah. that game got tight, both the Houston game, the St. Mary's game, when that game got tight, you knew where the ball was going to go through. Not necessarily who's going to shoot every possession. Because it actually ended up being Tyler Wall at the end of that game who kind of gets the credit for sealing that game with some big shots and some big free throws. But you knew who the offense was going to run through. And that was Johnny Davis. And huh, 100%. And Johnny Davis, and I don't know if it's maybe just 
growing up a year and the work with Team USA basketball and playing in that uh, the, the World Cup over the summer for the United the under nineteen team was just incredible. And like I said, just the growth that you've seen from him, the growth that you've seen from guys like Tyler Wall, and having that experienced guy in Brad Davison coming back, and getting these big minutes from these guys that you really never kind of gave much consideration. Ben Carlson has yeah, stepped up at different times this grow. year. Right. These guys are stepping up in different moments of the year. I mean, and then kind of letting in, letting the freshman Chucky Hepburn kind of take that role and let it come to him instead of having to go to it. And kind of like we've talked about, you know, last week when we were talking about him, kind of develop into that guy where he can get you buckets when he needs to. He can lock down defensively and kind of get the flow of the college game as a true freshman. I mean, we're sitting here, and I know we talked about it before, but we're in a, an era of college basketball where you're having third-year freshmen, sixth-year seniors because of the free COVID year who normally would have graduated, but they look at it and like, hey, I'm going to get my master's or I'm going to keep you know getting my degree here at this university and be able to transfer later if they choose to or just basically continue playing free basketball. Like, I mean, I said it with Green Bay. Lucas Steber, who's their main experienced player right now, is a third-year freshman. That's crazy. Isn't it crazy? That's crazy. So you have guys playing third-year freshmen and sixth-year seniors and every other type of situation going on right now. And you didn't know what you were going to have in a team, but then you also have guys and, and gals out there in college basketball who are stepping into these plays as true freshmen, like as true, true freshmen uh-huh. who who are stepping in and, and providing big minutes. I mean, I looked at, you know, look at the game last week for, uh, and I didn't mention this earlier in the show, but the Green Bay women's basketball team, Maddie Schreiber stepping up in the big win for Green Bay over Oklahoma State getting their first Power 5 win in two years. Granted, they didn't play any Power 5s last year, but still, another Power 5 win for a traditionally powerhouse mid-major for the Green Bay women, Green Bay Phoenix women. So just kind of tie that back to Badger basketball, letting these veteran guys kind of grow into these moles and letting Johnny Davis be your main guy to let these new guys, let the new transfers in, find the role of Badger basketball. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could have said it any differently than you did, Eric. That was well said. Um, it, it was, it, they were playing very team oriented basketball while finding Johnny Davis to lead them. It, it, it felt this tournament specifically, those three games specifically felt like old Bo Ryan basketball where they would cipher through and then find their stud and, and let the stud do work, whether that was Trayvon Hughes or, or uh, Jordan Taylor, Jordan, Jordan Jason Taylor, Bohannon, um, Ben Bruss. Yeah, yeah, right. All those guys, even, even down the line, you know, Sam Decker, or Kaminsky or whatever. Um, it felt like, this team finally found its identity and and you say finally found you're only a couple games into the season and, and for a young team to to find that is uh it, it could end up being pretty special 
100%, and, and you can kind of say in, to a lesser extent, and it's a, it was a non-counter, as they call it, but the Green Bay men get their first win of the season over a D3 team in, uh, in DW Superior, but even, you know, we've talked about just watching that team grow and getting a win on the board, knowing that they can go 40 minutes getting a win is going to mean a lot for that team, for the growth of that team, and just kind of finding this identity, finding <laughs> their their stretch here is going to be incredible both for both teams, and I'm really curious to see what's going to happen here in the uh, the Big Ten ACC Challenge game. The Badgers tip off in roughly 15 minutes against Georgia Tech. That game will be done before we're done record or after we're done recording, but really interesting to see how they come out and play in that uh, Justin, do you by chance at this time of recording, and it looks like Michigan State's kind of running away from Louisville, do you know what the this, this score of the Big Ten ACC Challenge right now is? I do not. They have not updated it. I am watching currently Nebraska-NC State. There was just a brawl uh, in the middle of the court after a dude made a, a three-pointer. A uh, Nebraska player ended up not uh, really liking it. And, um some things are happening here, and one guy just got ejected. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm watching that. They have not updated the ACC Big Ten score here. I'm sure at the beginning of the Badger game they will, and I'm sure at that time we'll still be recording so I can update it at that time. Fantastic. Yeah, we've, we've got the uh, Louisville-Michigan State game, and, Man, Michigan State just run away with this thing. This was like a two-point game at one point with Louisville even leading for a while in the early parts of the second half, and now it's a 17-point game in favor of Michigan State. And Just the way that they've bounced and played this game and the Badgers finding a way to get into the top 25 at this early point of the season. Just been It's been fun to watch, and this is probably my favorite weekend of the regular season of college basketball is Jim uh, Jimmy V week. A little sentimental on that. I love all the watching the Stuart Scott video and the Jimmy V video, and just needs to pick up. And yep. then you get the, all the good non-conference basketball games going on. Ohio State beating our our Blue Devils, which it is what it is, but big Duke house, big Duke house, but still just kind of fun. You get these these top tier matchups, even if the Ohio State Buckeyes aren't what they usually are for basketball. Still getting premier matchups as a whole. I love it. I love it. So with that. I guess we can talk about the Green Bay Packers a little bit here. I mean, Ramsey's radar, you didn't, you didn't do so great last week, buddy. I know, you bet long. Ooh, I got, a, I got a Ramsey's radar question for Ramsey. Oh, boy. And it was and it was going to be for, for Notre Dame, but I'm going to ask it. Who do you think is going to be the next head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners? Do, 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 do. Matt Nagy. <laughs> you just like losing on, on Ramsey's radar, don't you? you no, but if I if I hit on Matt Nagy out of the blue. That's like a 2,500 to 1 odd. Right, that's what I'm saying. All Ramsey's radar is is about long odds. That's, that's all true. it is. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll transition right here our, for our Ramsey radar. We'll kind of do a roof for Wisconsin radar. College football predictions, well, or college football playoff predictions, who is going to be your final Ooh. four right now by the time games end up? Because they'll do, they do the live show Sunday morning now, don't they? Yes. Right Sunday, away, yeah. yeah. 
So we will know prior to kickoff of the NFL games who's playing in the college football playoff, and then bowl games will kind of trickle out after that. But well, it's gonna it's gonna be Georgia as your number one, Michigan as number two, Oklahoma State as number three, and Cincinnati as four. That's is that a fish prediction? That's my prediction, Justin. Uh, my official prediction is it's going to end up being <coughs> Michigan, number one, Georgia, number two, Alabama, number three with an SEC, or Alabama, number two with an SEC championship, Georgia, number three. With a runner-up, and I'll go Cincinnati versus Michigan right off the bat. That's interesting. I think Georgia, if they lose to Bama, goes to four, though. You do? Why? Because I, I think, and this is just on... Because they don't want to see a back-to-back. Well, I think that they would want to see Georgia-Alabama national title. I can tell I can tell you right now, I think I think if Georgia loses, they go to three, but Alabama almost undoubtedly goes to number one. There's no way you're gonna see Michigan as the number one. But since it's Ramsey's radar and we're taking long odds, I'll take Jim Harbaugh at the number one seed. All right. I am going to go Georgia number one. Michigan keeps number two. I'm going to say Cincinnati gets the jump to three, or keeps three. And Oklahoma State number four. And that's going to get Georgia, Oklahoma State, Michigan, Cincinnati right off the bat. See, I almost feel like I almost feel Oklahoma State wins, right? Oklahoma State wins, Georgia wins. You're almost going to see Oklahoma State jump Cincinnati. That's what I'm thinking. Because Baylor's, what, number nine? They're nine last week. Baylor's number seven. I think they're seven now. So uh, you're going to have a five-seven matchup. That's going to jump Cincinnati. Yeah. So uh, let's just throw this hypothetical out here, though. If Cincinnati loses... It's 5-9, by the way. Baylor's number 9. Were they 9? Yeah, as of right now. So if They Cincinnati, are still 9. Wow. That's correct. If Cincinnati loses, who's that fourth spot? Where'd they the drop Ohio the State ball? to? Ohio State, I have no idea. They... That can't be right. I'm looking at my ESPN app right now, Justin. Uh, I, I would right. guess Ohio State's probably seven or eight. Let me get the rankings pulled up. We'll have to edit this. Playoff Ohio rankings. State is number seven in the playoff rankings. Baylor's number nine, as I said earlier. Yep. Who is number six? Six is Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Seven... Seven is seven is a two loss Oklahoma, or Ohio State team. So right now you're Georgia, Michigan, 
Alabama, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Mississippi, Baylor, Oregon. If Cincinnati were to lose, would you throw a two-loss Ohio State there at number four? If Ohio State Notre were to Dame lose, Notre Dame could make a case, and now that they have a head coach from inter- that's internal as well. I'm just saying the Notre Dame thing I don't think works. I could almost make an argument for a two-loss Oregon Ducks team to jump back in if they can win this weekend in the Pac-12 championship. That's still a Power 5 Maybe. conference championship. But So just from the committee speak, if you were to jump Ohio State to four, you would have Ohio or I don't think you can, though. I don't but think because they're not playing for a championship, you're going to have a but non-champion. But neither is Notre Dame, though. And Ohio right, State's right, right. two losses are better than Notre Dame's loss. But you're going to have a two-loss non-championship team where Oregon, I think, gets a jump because the, even though they're two losses, they have a win over Ohio State and they'd be a conference champion. I think they would get the jump. Where's Oregon at now, though? Oregon right now is number 10. So, yeah. That's a big jump to make. You're not... I you could but you're playing a 17th you're pl- you're basically rematching Utah. You're playing a 17th ranked Utah. I don't think they beat Utah. That wasn't close the first time around. I'd actually go on record Utah's saying they're a not. Utah's a 3-point favorite by They're the way, not too. beating Utah. Utah is a 3-point favorite for Friday night. Utah smacked them around 2 weeks ago. That was that game was not competitive. Utah was so much more physical than Oregon was. So I don't think that but I'm saying Seven out of seven Ohio State. I don't think Notre Dame makes it at this point with getting blown out by Cincinnati. I think that blowout to Cincinnati was enough to just Notre Dame just out. So as long as so let's just say if this happens, if if Cincinnati loses, does a two loss Alabama team get in? Depends on the play against Georgia. That I, I so I should say that two loss Alabama team is probably more likely than a two loss Ohio State team, right? Or how about a two loss Iowa Big Ten champion? No, no way, not from thirteen. Just saying, if they can beat Michigan, no. You have to be a top. They've, already, they've, they've lost. Who have they lost to? They've lost uh, Wisconsin, who's not even ranked. Their losses they, this year. Was Minnesota? Purdue. That was that Purdue. And they were number two, 24 to 7. Two unranked teams. There's no way I was. I'm I'm just throwing out hypotheticals here because you'd have a two loss team, you'd have a conference championship. I don't think the conference championship matters unless you get two losses. Because Ohio State's loss to Michigan in Michigan is probably the best loss that you can actually have. I think it's pretty safe to say that Notre Dame is the safety net at 11-1, and one, to be honest with you guys. Now, what would really suck is if Cincinnati and Michigan lost and then Oklahoma State also lost. How would you even do with that situation? That. You'd have to get really creative. If it and just, I think, uh, and I, I truly think that this hire today from Notre Dame, happen. this hire from Notre Dame, because we already know that last night, when before you know time of recording last night, 
that the committee is going to take into effect that they didn't have a head coach at this time. That's part of the reason they kept them at five and, or six instead of moving them to five. Hypothetically speaking, they go hire a head coach right away internally to give them some stability. Because it's, it's not even an interim tag. It's a straight-up head coach. I don't buy Notre Dame. I don't either. I'm just saying they'd be a one-loss team if chaos hits, if Georgia beats Alabama, if Cincinnati falls out, and even if Baylor beats Oklahoma State, you've got a lot of teams to fill in that gap there. And now you have a team that has a head coach that was kind of asking a lot of questions about itself. Well, regardless, Georgia's in, right? We know Georgia's going to be in for a fact. The only question I have for Georgia is, can they actually beat Alabama? They're a six-and-a-half-point favorite, by the way. That's basically a home game, though. Sure, even if you get the three for being technically a home game. Three-point favorite. Three-and-a-half, you're still getting, basically having to win by a touchdown. Yeah, I Georgia's in for sure, and I think that I don't think there's any other Michigan loses to Iowa. I could see Cincinnati losing to Houston, and I could see Oklahoma State losing to Baylor. Because really, what's the more Oklahoma State thing in the world to do than lose to Baylor this weekend? Just beat Oklahoma for the first time in God, ten man. years, and. No, I, I, I'm hoping that it's Georgia, Oklahoma State, Michigan, and Cincinnati. Even Cincinnati, I don't think really deserves to be there, but that's not here nor there. I'm honestly kind of rooting for a little bit of chaos. Just rooting for the whole thing to implode? Sure. Well, regardless, Agreed. we're going to get Alabama or Georgia. The SEC champ will be there regardless of the fact and if Alabama's there, Georgia's also there. Georgia's in, guaranteed. Georgia's locked. So it's just a matter of if Alabama's going to be there or not. And the other two slots, I don't think, actually are going to matter in the end of the day. You really don't give Iowa a shot at all to win? No, I don't. Coming off a hangover against Ohio State. I don't think Michigan, I don't think Michigan looks great, but I don't have any faith in Iowa. That team is not that good. I would agree. But I was thinking it was a shot. To win. I was also very impressed with Michigan this weekend, by the way. What's the spread on the Iowa game? The Iowa-Michigan game, as of right now, is Michigan by 11. I would 11? Take, Give me I would a... take Michigan to cover the 11. Give me Iowa. So your spreads for your... your your college uh, championship weekend. Friday night opens up with Utah by three. Give me Utah. Give me Oregon. Oklahoma State by five and a half. Give me Oklahoma State. I'll take the Fighting Arandas and Baylor to win. In the Mountain West game, San Diego State by six over Utah State. Give me San Diego State. Yeah, give me the, give me the San Diego State Padres. The Louisiana Aztecs. Kings. Aztecs. 
the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns versus Appalachian State. Appalachian State is a three-point favorite in the Sun Belt. Give me App State, baby. Give me, give me Louisiana in, in Billy Napier's last game as Louisiana's head coach before he dodges off to the University of Florida. All right. We go Georgia-Alabama, the first marquee game of Saturday. Georgia by six and a half. Give me the dogs. Give me the greatest coach to ever live in, in football, the fighting Saban. Everybody needs to know. Saban is not better than Belichick. Cool those Jets on the Saban Belichick. He's way better than Belichick. Are you kidding Belichick me? Belichick has seven Super Bowls. Are you kidding me? Or six Super Bowls. Yeah. Belichick has six. Well, buddy, technically has eight, right? Think about, eight or nine? Think about it. He had the greatest quarterback for 20, 20 years. Think about it. Saban you has... don't get a player for longer than four years, and Saban ain't getting them for longer than two or three. Saban's the greatest coach of all time. Anyways, what was his NFL record? A, a, a Saban assistant cannot beat Saban. What, what, what was the Saban's record NFL to, record? The record towards that proves it. Give me, give me the fighting Saban, Saban tie. Well, we know what Justin does at family reunions. Hey, <laughs> Cincinnati Bearcats, Houston Cougars. Houston or Cincinnati favored by ten and a half. Give me Houston to cover the ten and a half. Give me Cincinnati to put on a show and make sure they're the first ever group of five team to make the playoff. We already did this one, but we'll do it again. Michigan by eleven over Iowa. Give me Michigan to cover the eleven. Give me Iowa. See, Justin's so, smart. I haven't won any of these lately. He just took everything opposite of me. And the last... <laughs> That's the way to do it, folks. Whatever I'm telling you, do the opposite. The last game of the day in the ACC, probably the most irrelevant of the, the Power Five Big Ten cha- or Big uh, Championship games here, Wake Forest and Pitt. Pitt favored by what three. A te- what a terrible championship game. The ACC cannot be happy that that is their championship game. That is going to be the least watched ACC championship game of all time. 100%. I am taking. Oh, my God. I wonder what their viewership over under is. 12. Because I'm definitely taking the under. <laughs> uh, what was the spread, Eric? Three points for the Panthers of Pittsburgh. Oh, give me. Give me. Now, I love Pat Narduzzi. I think he's a great coach. I think Pittsburgh. I, Pittsburgh's. I love Pittsburgh when they wear their old school yellow and blue. They I do too. The new school, oh, that their old school yellow and blue is popping. Man. That and gold that sucks. Awesome. Yes. Uh, so, in all of that, give me the Demon Deacons. Oh, yeah! What an the awful fighting, conference championship game. I feel bad for awesome. ABC. ABC is sitting there probably just rubbing their hands for Clemson to knock down somebody. Oh my and god. And then they get stuck with Wake Forest and Pitt. Where's Dabo? <laughs> sitting at home. This game this game could potentially lead 
uh, the ACC to be the next Big Twelve in the zone. Oh yeah, that's 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 a possibility. That's how bad this is going to be for their TV contract. This might be it. Like, this might just put it out, put it out its minute. I get the old yellow treatment. So bad. All right, boys. So I mean, we haven't really dug into the Packers too much. And the Packers, another big win, six to three. By the way, Big Ten over the ACC right now, eight wins clinches. All right. Um, Packers, big win against the Rams. Ends up being a little bit closer than it really probably was. But another great win for the Green Bay Packers to get into the bye week and really kind of assert their dominance once again at the top of the NFC. I was talking about this today. Pretty much Green Bay with that win against the Rams locked up the division. And with San Francisco beating Minnesota too. Right. That pretty much locks the division up for Green Bay. And looking at it, I'm going to guess Arizona's going to drop a game or two yet. They have a pretty murderous row of teams left to go. And they have the Cowboys on the schedule. They have the Seahawks. They have the Rams. So a lot of those teams are going to be in somewhat of a must-win situation. So I think it looks pretty good for another number one seed Green Bay Packer team. I agree. I don't know that they get to fourteen and three. I think they drop the Baltimore game. That that that's the popular pick. Uh, I am on the opposite edge of that. I think we go into it um, knowing that we'll be a game ahead of Arizona, um, and regardless of what happens in that final week. Um, we could lose to the the Lions. I I, I could pick that. Uh, that could be my Ramsey's radar pick, losing to the Lions because um, we might not play our our starters that whole game. Yeah, for the record, the Cardinals schedule the rest of the way here. They've got the Bears this week. They'll have the Rams next week. The Lions the week after that. The Colts, the Cowboys, and the Seahawks wrap things up for them. That's pretty. Uh, th- there's a lot of desperate teams in that stretch. That made the, me nervous. Yeah, the Colts. The Colts are the Colts are an excellent matchup for them right now. The Colts and yeah, I think the Dallas Colts with at that run point, game. Dallas at this point is good. That Washington football team is getting close to Dallas. Mm-hmm. That's going to be almost a must-win game for Dallas. You got to think that Seattle is going to want to try to right the ship a little bit. At this point, the Rams with how hot San Francisco's been is going to have. That's going to be almost a must-win game for them as well. I I would not want to be Arizona where they're at right now. Right, and the and the other team that you really need to watch out of the NFC is obviously um, the Tampa Bay Gronkineers. So even they've looked human again this year. They got another injury in that secondary. Yeah, I I I never want to bet against Tom, but. Right, we've learned they're, better about that when but. it's a one-game situation. I think Green Bay is better than they are this year. I've watched the Tampa Bay Gronkineers pretty much anytime they're on TV. I've sat down and watched their games. And I don't... Again, you never want to bet against Tom. Like, period. Like You just don't. Just That's not something to do. But I don't think that they're going to have home field advantage. And I think that they were going to have to come on the road to Lambeau again. 
And I don't think that it's at the same situation as it was last year. I really don't. The, the, our defense this year is considerably better than what it was last year. Definitely better. Our special teams is not. And that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah. Well, all the way around. You don't need Returning. you don't need special Covering. teams to win playoff games. You you can't have uh, special teams lose you games, but I don't think there's a situation where outside of a Mason Crosby missed field goal, but even then, I mean, I'd probably still they trust him. Yeah, but when you think about it, they haven't covered kicks very well. They haven't covered. Punts very well. Well, it doesn't really matter the when one, people aren't scoring The one on them. shining spot is is Bohorku has uh, has punted the ball pretty well uh, all season. That's the one thing you can really look at in special teams and say they've done well. Now they haven't covered all those punts very well, but he's punted the ball very well. So well, they don't. That that uh, special teams can always cost you. Yeah, but I don't think that it, it ha- special teams doesn't really cost us a game outside of Mason Crosby's shit. The rest That's of it's a big shit. I know, but he was you in know, what eighty percent a... this week. Seventy-five, <laughs> three for four, three for four. He's like, I know. I I was on team get rid of Mason pre-trade deadline, and everyone told me I was wrong, and you I were said, on team pre. Get rid of Mason Crosby after the Cincinnati, the one game. And I, I've been on that boat ever since. And everyone, even back in Cincinnati, oh, they'll get it figured out. Mason is washed. It's not, I don't think this is a issue with anything outside of the fact that Mason's washed. Well, and it's with Mason, it's so weird because it's not, it's not a leg strength thing. It's not him not getting the ball where it's got to oh, go. It, it's hooking left every single time, no matter what hash he kicks from. No matter where on the field they are, depth wise, it's just it hooks left every single well, then, time. Then maybe that he first, should aim more right. You'd think so, but even that first field goal he makes from what forty seven in the Rams game, yeah. where it just knuckleballs and flirts with that left crossbar that whole time before just hooking in at the last second. I know it was it was left. It was far left too. Tell me, tell me a kick that Mason Crosby's kicked that has been more, or that has been as beautiful. Like, that's how he's always kicked. Like, every time the guy kicks, nothing of his kick looks sweet, ever. Never has in his whole career. Don't you agree? Or I'm I... thinking. I'm thinking. I haven't noticed it. Even the huge kick he kicked to win the game in Dallas. Dallas. What was that, two, three years ago? That's when it popped that to mind, was and that was, a, that was a knuckleball, too. All of his kicks are absolutely hideous-looking kicks. Like, college kickers kick a ball more beautiful than him. But somehow, he has made a career. How long has he been? 15, 16 years? And he's done well. He's drafted in, what, 2008 or 2009? In that ballpark, I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's been that while. Badger's getting routed here. It's early yet, Justin. They're not even at the first media timeout. But yeah, no, it's it's been ugly. It really has been. I'm watching the Dallas kick right now, that fifty one yarder in the playoffs. 
Oh my god, yeah, that's ugly. Just with that left crossbar. <laughs> All of them. Every single kick. It just that ball so he, he looks like a, a the kicking version of Tim Wakefield out there. <laughs> It's a knuckleball picture, Ramsey. You know, it's almost as obscure as a Vinny Testaverde take. It's not bad. It is up there. But, yeah, no, it's 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 such a weird dynamic, though. Like, you look at this team, and I, I truly, I mean, if they can get these guys back healthy, which every indication is that they're going to, for at least for most of these guys. Obviously, Elton's out for the year with the ACL, but you feel like you're going to get Bakhtiari back. You feel like you're probably Ooh. feel like you're probably going to get Jair back, and hopefully you get Z back too. You've been... The thing with these wins that they didn't have last year, and they sure as shit didn't have the year before, is they've been gritty. And they've been getting big, gritty wins. It's not like you're, you know, you're close, you're, ch- you know, waiting for the other team to choke. I mean, like the first year in Irvin Fleur with 2019, where it was a lot of ugly, close wins where you're winning in the final possession or whatever. It's not necessarily like last year we were blowing teams out, but then losing the teams that you're spo- you're not supposed to beat. This year you finally got that. You're winning games you're quote-unquote not supposed to. You're, you're winning these games that you're supposed to win big. You're winning those big. So really, I mean, might be the most complete team in the Matt LaFleur era, which doesn't say a whole lot, but really the most complete team we've seen in quite some time. Johnny Davis with a monster flush. No. Let's go. Um, just to touch on that, Eric, I think the thing that is most impressive about it is they're winning with a porous red zone percentage. And that's offensively and defensively. Uh, and they're not, I mean, they have looked good. I think, I think your boy at uh, your other employer touched on it to where in their last nine possessions, when you go back to the second half of um, the Minnesota game, the last nine possessions, there were like seven or uh, maybe five or six touchdowns uh, and two punts out of that uh, with the others being field goals. So they're, they're starting to get hot, but throughout the year to compile the record, they have been porous in the red zone on both sides. Green Bay has done something though that we haven't seen from them I don't think ever and that's be the more physical team run the ball for the entire game and that's not a shot at even a Super Bowl team that we point back to a lot that team was 24th in rushing yards per game they had Brandon Jackson James Starks Right. That was their running backs. And they didn't they just didn't need it, right? So I think that we are seeing something that is sustainable for the near future, especially with AJ Dillon. And that he's been he may only be getting three yards per carry. But it's but a hard three that's turning into three. Five, six, seven down oh, the game yeah. as the game wears on. It's allowing that big run or that big play for Aaron Jones. It's allowing Aaron Rodgers to check into an audible at the line of scrimmage. And as he said in the Pat McAfee show this week, just let Devontae run whatever the hell route he's going to run that play. There's times where Devontae's running routes that aren't on the playbook, and Aaron's just finding it last second. I love Tay. 
But like I said, just it's been really. I mean, we talked last year quite a bit about how it just they, how successful they were, and 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 you're not getting as flashy as you were last year per se. But you're not too far off from it in the grand scheme of things either. And they're getting hot. Well, it's not as flashy, but it's more gritty. Well, and right. That's, it's that's what's winning ball games though right now. They manned up the Rams for what basically three and three quarters of that game. Mm-hmm. And well, they, really, I mean, with the final score, they get two long touchdowns. They get the long one to Van Jefferson, the long one to OBJ. Right. And that's that's about it. You get a pick six, which Matt Stafford has now thrown three straight games of pick six from Rasul Douglas, who was on a practice squad earlier this year. Can you imagine the Arizona Cardinals had that guy on their practice squad? Oh, my God. That guy is pretty much locked up the number three cornerback position for whenever uh, Jair comes back. Are we sure he's not uh, number think, two? I don't think. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you may you very well could be right. Uh, Stokes could play the slot, uh, either or. Well, I think I, I think with this addition, you have three very competent, very good cornerbacks, and I think Stokes, as hard as you are, Ramsey, on him being a rookie and all that entails, he's only going to get better. And I think the sky is the limit. For the back end of that defense right now, I, that that back end of the defense is outstanding. I would like to clarify the Eric Stokes thing. He, the issue that he's had is being lost in coverage, and that's that's something that was on his draft board, draft day grade, draft paperwork that he got lost in coverage, and that's something that's not acceptable at this level of football. You can't just get lost in coverage. So is he successful on 90% of the plays? Sure, but those other 10, he's out of position. And that's just lack of discipline. So I'm, I will be hard on him until he does the small things that he just needs to do to be a better player. Well, I think that comes with being a year in the NFL too. I mean, for his, his knock is, like you said, getting that loss in, in coverage and getting lost in, in the play, but he's been able to use his speed at every level to this point. To make up for it, and even a lot of times now, he's still bailed out by the speed where it gets him a little bit of trouble, but he's getting out of that trouble with that speed too. But I would say with Eric Stokes, it's not improving. That's my issue. That We're now 14 games in, and it's not really getting better. And that's fine, and I'll, I'll give him a slight bit of a pass, but you're the NFL player now. Those dumb mistakes that you were able to make in college, that's not what we do anymore here. Yeah, but you don't see that. That growth isn't going to come this season. But it should. That's what I'm but saying. But it, it realistically how many, won't, though. How many games do you start in Georgia? I, I don't know the stats on that. I believe you started two years in Georgia. Sure. Someone can correct me on that. It's At this point, rookies in the NFL, I would say outside of the quarterback position, if you are a first-round pick, you need to be ready to play, and you can't have dumb issues like that. But what, what my ultimate point here is that – you can see the growth from year one to year two. In any position, you really don't see growth in season. You will see the growth. That's not true at all. Mac Jones is growing every week. Trevor Lawrence is better every week. And those are quarterbacks. Those are insanely harder positions. You do see growth. I'm just but saying. But not in skill positions. Not in these sure skill do. positions. I don't Jamar think so. Jamar Chase is getting better every single week. Remember everyone wanted Jamar Chase kicked out of the league? 
because he dropped two you're balls. Also talking about a, you're also talking about a top five pick compared to a, a bottom end sure. of the first round that should have been a second round pick. But I'm saying the that he, was, he was a first round pick. It doesn't matter if his talent level grades at a level a day three pick. He was picked in the first round. If you were picked in the first round, I am not going to give you a pass on having a major flaw that we can't just overlook. So do I think Eric Stokes is a good player? I, I do. I do think he's talented. He's incredibly athletic. And I like him a lot more in the slot than I do on the outside. And I think that in the slot, you're gonna be, he's going to be able to be more effective in the slot just due to his athletic makeup. But I'm not going to give him a pass on getting lost in coverage. That's like the basics. That's like a quarterback throwing the ball down the field. Like, yeah, you should do that. That's something that you should not be doing consistently. I think I think you're gonna see a tremendous growth. I, I hope I do. I, I I try I try I try to revert back to what Jair was when he was the 17th pick. And I think you saw flashes of brilliance, but I don't think you saw a, a, a complete. Yes, but Jair um, wasn't getting lost in coverage though. Like I said, it's and it's it's different if it's a flaw that is something that is asking more. I don't know how to describe this. It's something, if it's something that I'm asking to go above and beyond to be a Hall of Fame level player, that's unreasonable. I'm simply asking that you do the basic of your job and don't get lost in coverage. And Jair, going back to it, Jair did not get lost in coverage. Jair may have got burned a couple times, but that was because he was out of position where Eric Stokes gets lost on the play and doesn't look like he knows where he's at on the field, and then the receiver gets behind him. There's a difference. I don't know. And I, I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope that I'm hard on him, and I hope that I look a complete jackass in six months because he makes a giant play in the Super Bowl or in a big playoff spot. So I hope I'm wrong. I'm just saying, as of today, I will refuse to give him a pass doing something that is, should be just basic. You can't just not okay. do the basic parts of your job script. I think he's going to grow into a pro ball cornerback, Eric. What do you say? I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. You know, and I know that's kind of the ultimate. I know that's Justin with the hot take, and Ramsey's over here just dropping the hot takes. I think the reality of the situation is you have a guy who, who has gotten by being the fastest guy on the team for – his whole career, his whole athletic career. He's been the fastest guy. And you're seeing these bits of growth. And this even coming from, um, I'm just kind of searching here from what Wes Hodgewitz writing, um, how the, the guys on his own team, for the Packer, for Packers.com, Wes Hodgewitz writing, that he's starting to pass the eye test for his teammates, for his, his guys where he's, he's replaced Kevin King as number two, and at times being the number one with Jair's injury, he's kind of like Devontae Adams saying how he's the closest thing to Jair from a mental mentality and ability point from what I've seen so far. And if he gets beat, he can recover. So I think that's what Ram is saying is you can't get beat and have to rely on speed to recover. I know Mason's talked about how he's a little too handsy. Maybe he's he's in bad positions because of his speed where he's just 
relying on the speed to get him to a spot, and then he has to adjust for it after. I'm not quite sure as to what it is. I, I don't think he's ever not passed the eye test, though. Even watching some of the Georgia tape when he got drafted, and we all were sitting there and we're like, okay, what's Jair? Go back and watch some of his tape from Georgia. I think that you look at him and go, okay, that's probably an NFL player. Like, you look at him, okay, that he passed the eye test. I get why Green Bay picked him. He's athletic. He's long. He's He does what you, he needs to do. It's just, like I said, you can't do the basic part of your job incorrectly at times and expect just a free pass. However, I would say that Kevin King being the four, right? Jair, Eric Stokes, Rasul Douglas, and then I think Kevin King's a pretty good four. <clears throat> I just think we run into problems when we try to make Kevin King a two. I 100% agree with that. Right? If, if <laughs> we talk that Kevin King's are four, you feel pretty comfortable there, right? I mean, no, but because you don't know that he's going to play. You, don't, you never know if he's going to play. Again, he was inactive this last week, but that's just me being how can, I am. Can you imagine paying that dude, what, $6 million a year? How many, game, how many games has he played this year? Kevin King? Yeah. I believe he's missed five, so they've played 12. I think he's played seven. We're paying him a million dollars a game right now. Unbelievable. Can you believe that? No. That was another take of the local reporting that I listened to on Monday was that Kevin King gets a bad rap. He should. He sucks. But the, the <laughs> Straight up, he sucks. The personality that was discussing him was defending Kevin King for about 15 minutes on how he's not as bad of a player as everyone makes it out to be. I will say this. When Kevin King has played this year, with a few exceptions, he has been not dog shit sometimes. We're paying him quite a bit. A year. I, I'll even go to say that he has been not dog shit quite a bit this year. He has had a pretty decent year, all things considered. He's playing six games, by the way. I was wrong. He's playing six. We're paying a million dollars a game right now. Yeah. He has been not dog shit on occasion. He's actually stepped up. He's had some pretty decent games. Well, there was even some times in Minnesota, though, going back and looking at the Minnesota. I I found a Twitter page that they were showing from a Minnesota point of view, like a Minnesota film session. Mm -hmm. It must have been who was filming. And you can watch Kevin King get beat twice. And it didn't necessarily get accredited to Kevin King, but Kevin King was out of position as well. And I kind of get that that's part of being a defensive back in the NFL in 2021 is that if you're out of position, receivers are too good and you can't touch them enough right now, that it you're the one that's going to be out of position because they're so fast. But Kevin King, two of those in Minnesota on Kevin King. One hundred percent agree. I, I think Kevin King is just. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a Packer after this year. They recoup that six million dollars and they put that elsewhere. Um, hopefully, uh, to another asset on the um, defensive line, or possibly re-signing Devondre Campbell because that's going to be at the top of the list going into the. <laughs> we need to re-sign Devondre Campbell. I, you know, There's and no honestly. It's and I know we've talked about this on the show. It really a lot of this is independent of what Aaron does. I think if Aaron retires, they're going to rebuild. 
So I think at, at this point, we're now far enough in the season. I don't think any of us are assuming that Aaron's going to be traded, right? I think, though, that's kind of out the window at this point. I don't think that's going to happen. If Aaron's playing football next year, it's going to be in Green Bay. Right? Does anyone I, disagree with that? I would agree. I would also agree. So I, I think this whole offseason coming up now hinges on what Aaron does. If Aaron doesn't resign, I don't think Devontae sticks around. And well, he doesn't have to resign, by the way. He's still under contract for next year, technically. But I think they're going to. I, I am. I am blatantly telling you right now, Devontae Adams is not going anywhere. If Aaron, they will, they will franchise tag him. Why would you do that though? If if he's going to end up walking, he's not. You can franchise tag him forever. Yeah, you can franchise tag him for what? Two years? You can do it forever. No. You can. You can't franchise tag after three. I, I know for three for sure. It might be two. You can only franchise tag for so long before the player gets the opt out. Remember that's what happened with uh, Kirk Cousins? Yeah, I think there is something, but I think that was because Kirk Cousins negotiated a deal. He accepted I think the franchise can... tag for them not to tag him the following year. Because they didn't trade him. They they he left on his own. I'm pretty sure he negotiated that part of his contract. But if you're Green Bay, do you, I wouldn't keep Devontae if I'm gonna go into a soft rebuild. I I would certainly keep Devontae, especially with the young quarterback. I, I don't wouldn't. Why wouldn't you? Because it's not about and, and you and you're losing and you're losing thirty some million because off the payroll with Aaron retiring. Because Jordan Certainly. Love and you can is you could tag him and you're only gonna and you're only counting one year. You're not signing him to a long year right. But contract. The, here's the thing it with Jordan total Love. Sense. Jordan Love is not gonna be a guy that's gonna be able to carry a team like Aaron Rodgers can. So you're gonna need to put more weapons around him. It's gonna be more like a Cleveland Baker situation than an Aaron Green Bay currently. Having which Having Devontae wrapped up on a huge contract isn't going to make a lot of sense because you're probably going to need to put that money other places on the team to make... Because Jordan Love is not going to be a guy who's going to carry a team. There's not that many guys in the NFL that can actually do that. So having a top-flight receiver isn't going to necessarily make Jordan Love better. And I know that sounds bizarre, but... That's kind of the fact what of where they. What type of contract are you expecting out of it? What Devante? What type of contract are you? Yeah. Devante what is, type of contract are you talking about right now? For the record, by the way, just while you think of that, uh, you can be tagged up to three times, but you have to pay more each time you tag. That's what I'm saying. So and if if they franchise, and then I'm just gonna throw a number out there. If you franchise tag for a million or ten million dollars one year, next year it has to go up 120 percent. So that makes it 12 million dollars. And then next year has to be another increase after that. But if they take Devontae, that's going to be what? Probably $20 million? Yep. $20 million? You What's might he as making well... right now? I'm not saying, I'm not saying that Devontae is not worth that money. Uh, the 2021 franchise tax uh, for wide receiver was $15 million right now. $15.9. I'm not saying that Devontae is not worth that money. And I, I don't want Devontae to go. But if I'm Green Bay, I'm going to use that resource and cash to move pieces in other places on the team. Because, like I said, Jordan loves... 
Jordan Love is not going to be able to carry that team. And that's the thing that you have to do with less than... You're we're negating the fact that you're going to get 30-some-odd million dollars back if Rodgers retires. Okay. You're going to need that money other places. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that you're not going to spend an additional $4 million to keep uh, not even that for a year. If they franchise tag him, he goes from a base salary of 12.25, he'd probably go to 15. Sure. So that's less than four. Yeah. No, I'm, I am not arguing with you guys. I'm telling you that if I'm looking at it, I would get another tight end. I would try to find another offensive lineman. I would probably sign, and for that, so you could, for what, you said 15 million? Thereabouts, yeah, it'd be like 15.9. So 15.9, you can get an offensive lineman, a tight end, and probably two middle-of-the-class receivers. Because after Devontae, that receiver group is not you that can, talented. It's what not. What I'm saying is you can get that money with Aaron Rodgers' money. You don't have to get rid of Yeah, Devontae. but we, we forget that we still need to re-sign Jair. Devonja Campbell's going to have to be resigned. Darnell Savage is going to come up on a contract. Adrian Amos is going to be coming up, isn't he? A lot of those guys in that defensive side of the ball are also going to have to be resigned. So, sure, you may save $30 million on Aaron Rodgers, but it's not just we're getting $30 million back. Because a lot of these guys that are playing extremely well on the defensive side of the ball are not going to just keep playing for peanuts that are paying them now. Adrian Amos will be under contract for an additional two years yet. Or this year, next year, for sure. So this year, next year. And, so, and by that time, he'll be how old? Adrian Amos, at that point, he's 28 now, so two more. He'll be going into 30. That's what I'm saying. So you could get him in for another few years. Jair Alexander's going to have to get repaid. Devondre Campbell. There's enough guys in the team that's going to have to get paid that that $30 million is not $30 million. That $30 million is probably closer to 8 or 9 That's what I'm saying. I, Green Bay, I, in my opinion, if Aaron's not there, they're going to have to go into a soft rebuild. And that's not... Green Bay's been good enough for long enough that they can do that without losing the fan base. Because I think at this point, we, I was even probably wrong on Brian Gutekunst. He's built a pretty decent roster right now. You look at that they're... Yeah, I'm, confused. I'm, I'm so confused on what you think they need to do to build a soft rebuild. Like, what are you building? What are you building around? Like, you already have a top 10 defense. Yes. You have... You cannot... Jordan Love, regardless of what defense you have, regardless of what running game you have, Jordan Love is not at the point in his career that he'll be willing to play off game after Aaron Rodgers is gone for the first two years. So what's the point of paying Devontae Adams a bunch of money if you're not actually going to be competing for a Super Bowl? To teach him. Teach him what? To give him an elite-level receiver. Devontae's not going to want to teach Jordan Love. Devontae's going to want to win games. Devontae does, Devontae's, well, what, 20? Devontae's, Devontae, How old Devontae's is Devontae Adams? Devontae's ass is going to be franchise tag. He's not going to have an option. Why would but you not? I, I don't get it. You're not listening to what I'm telling you, Justin. You, Devontae Adams is not going to make Jordan Love... He is 28, by the way. 28. He turns 29 at the end of the month. Sure. So you're going to pay a 30-year-old receiver big money? That does make sense. So, you sure. just said we should. I have not said... I think we should let Devontae run. I, I think that you should go into a soft rebuild, get rid of Devontae, start rebuilding from the bottom up. If Rodgers retires. If Rodgers retires. If Rodgers comes back, we sign Devontae. But that's not... Because without Rodgers, they're not a Super Bowl team. 
That's what I'm saying. I'm saying without Aaron Rodgers, I don't disagree with that. They are not a Super Bowl team. It does not make sense to bring Devontae Adams back if you're not competing for a Super Bowl. I would argue more that it's less important to bring David Bakhtiari back. Absolutely not. Than to bring um, Devontae back. I would argue that. That Devontae Adams is more important than Offensive Lyman? Look how good that this team has looked and their $20 million left tackle hasn't played one snap this year. Tell me, though, that that team doesn't look a little different when Aaron Rodgers is under center. And when we saw what Kansas City did to the Green Bay Packers, sure, they, blitzed on, you... they blitzed on 55% of the plays, right? 50, 51. And how many quarterback pressures was on Jordan Love? I don't know the exact number but off the top of my head, but it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. doesn't change. What, yes, what it made, does. What so David Bakhtiari want to stay? Because that David Bakhtiari is under contract. Like David Bakhtiari okay. doesn't have a choice. He's not going to ask for a trade? No. He's under contract. He's the, what, what, the highest paid left tackle in the league? Top three, probably? He's either one or yeah, two. I don't know is. if they replaced it right after. So, I, so bringing back David Bakhtiari is more important than bringing back Devontae Adams because, and we saw it in the Kansas City game, that Kansas City game told you a lot of what the league thinks of Jordan Love. And that's a barely average Kansas City defense. And they you can go up a one. Yes, game. you can, because no Andy Reid just told you that We're I don't not think. Going through this yes, again. give me a break with that. Okay, come on. What did Andy Reid tell you about Jordan Love? What did he tell you? What did he tell you? He what told you, you tell that me? Jordan Love does not have the talent to beat you by. So he blitzed him what fifty-one percent of the time. Fifty-one percent. So he brought fifty-one percent right. of the pressure, and Jordan Love couldn't beat him. So a guy make, a guy making his first career start. Okay. His against an average start. defense. You're gonna judge you're gonna judge an his average whole defense career of a one career. An average start. defense. Give and did we did break. you see one thing special that Jordan Love did? I didn't. Yeah. I no. There was not one special play that Jordan Love yes, did. He, he looked over his Are skis. You kidding me? And he he's been in the league. The game the whole game. He's been about? he's been in the league now what, two years? Sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, that's not acceptable. That's we go back to this whole thing that we're cutting guys' breaks on stuff. Being a being able to throw the ball is like baseline. You need to be able to do that in the NFL. And Jordan Love couldn't do that against an average defense. What happens when he played that did Rams they not defense have over a the weekend? Shot to win the game, or did they get blown out by forty? I by I don't, an I don't average Kansas game. City team at that point that was playing but, terribly. And no, they did not. That game, I never thought that I'm like, oh, Green Bay is going to win this game. They were in contention to win the game. What are you talking about? I never thought, though, that Jordan Love was going to pull that out. And I came, oh, if you did, God. I don't think. You trust Jordan Love with the franchise at this point? Yes. That's, not, that's not a great idea. Because in the NFL, you need to have an elite well, level quarterback right. to be a I Super Bowl. I shouldn't trust him because I saw him play one time. Yeah, he's been in the league two years. This one time, and he looked terrible because he was blitzed fifty-one percent of the time, and he couldn't make a pass. And this offensive line isn't that. So people get this thing confused too that the offensive line is playing great, the offensive line is playing well, but that's also due to the fact that you have to respect Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers be able to get the ball out fast enough. If you can't do that, certainly no way. Yes, certainly not getting the ball. 
Aaron Rodgers notoriously holds the ball. He might hold the ball no. the longest of all quarterbacks in the NFL. Yes. There's no way. But you that have that you cannot you can, yes that it does. Is terrible thing. Can you blitz terrible thing. Justin, could you blitz Aaron Rodgers fifty one percent of the time? Could you do that and he not burn? Why not? Then why don't people do it? If that's the key to beating Green Bay, you can't do that against Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers will burn you every single time if you blitz him fifty one percent of the plays. That's obvious. Unless your offensive line is playing stellar, which they are. I'm not okay. I'm not saying the offensive line isn't playing stellar. I'm saying that Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers helps that offensive line a lot more than the offensive line helps Aaron Rodgers. I know that sounds backwards too. But you have to respect Aaron Rodgers. You have to be able to respect Aaron Rodgers with the ball out. Jordan Love could not. I think, if, no, so I the I key to beating Green is a master. The key to beating Green Bay is just beat blitz him fifty one percent of the time. Just blitz him fifty one percent of the time and then you win. That's pretty simple, right? So why don't all the teams do that? We've played better defenses than Kansas City multiple times this year and they couldn't beat Green Bay. What's the difference? I don't see the difference here. Who are Green Bay's three losses to? Kansas City, New Orleans, and Minnesota. So we'll toss the New Orleans game out because I think that was an aberration from everything, right? I think we can all agree well, that. Five. That's one game. So toss. That's one game. We should. We should. That's one freaking game, right? Just toss. It yes. Out. We okay. Can't toss out Jordan Love. Do you remember we talked about that whole starts, thing? Because he starts <laughs> practicing in the middle of a week because A Rod comes back okay. with COVID. Okay. But we talked about that thing Give of you can see. Ramsey. He's not an elite quarterback, Justin. His ceiling is Kirk Cousins. Of course. You're right, because he's sitting behind an elite quarterback. He doesn't have the playing time to become an elite quarterback. And, and he won't become an elite quarterback until he gets to play. I, we, I watched him play. And he gets experience. I watched him play. Put, that special isn't there. One time. That special one isn't there. Time. You watch Trevor Lawrence. You watch Trevor Lawrence play. You go, okay, that dude has something there. Hell, you watch Mac That's Jones play. You watch Mac Jones play, and you go, okay, yeah, there's something there. Even Zach Wilson, even Zach Wilson, who is pretty much a dumpster fire, you can go, okay, that kid has some arm talent. Jordan Love is like, okay, we wasted our first-round draft pick. Like, that's not a first-round talent. Oh, my. <laughs> that's not a first-round talent. Mac Jones is better than Jordan Love is. I'm not even going to argue that point. That That is such a bad take. I'm not even going to argue that. We saw Jordan Love. There was nothing <laughs> God, special. That's so bad. We that's keep... so bad. I mean, you're, and not, you're, you're still... not, now you're comparing a rookie quarterback to another rookie quarterback, all of whom have either started in the NFL 11 to 12 games. Week one. You see... Jordan, Love has, Jordan Love has held a clipboard for two years. And there's a reason for that. you're just going to judge him because he got pushed into a start in the middle of a week, because Aaron Rodgers got he played COVID. an average defense. How many defense. number one reps? How he, many number one reps even in practice is Jordan Love getting? Probably how quite many? a bit because Aaron Rodgers isn't practicing right now. No. Yes, he's not okay. practicing. So now you're gonna say right now so he's now not practicing. Aaron Rodgers probably doesn't practice most weeks. That's probably a thing that he's not taking all these first team oh reps. My. You, Brett Favre never fucking practiced. Aaron Rodgers doesn't practice all the time either. It just happened. He hasn't been practicing lately. You know that. Does Jordan Love get first-team reps? Does Jordan does Love had practice? all of the off-season first-team reps. All Eric, of them. Eric, does Jordan Love practice? Right now, yeah. He is, uh, Aaron Rodgers isn't Aaron practicing Rogers right practice. now. 
Jordan Love got every single first team rep over the offseason. On off season. a regular year when he's feeling Over the offseason, Jordan Love got every first team rep. The entire offseason was Jordan Love first team rep. Last year, last year Aaron Rodgers practiced every, just about every week. Um, every day, I'll even say, except for a couple of days of veteran rest, like where all those older guys get. Uh, this year, right now, he is not practicing with the toe injury, um, but that is an aberration. Hmm. He's getting first team reps. He got all the ones in the offseason. How much more do you need? With Opad. How much more do no you need? He had hit. all of them in with the offseason. No all of them in the offseason. It's not experience. Yes, it is. Oh, my. So you, Jordan where, love where, Your Jordan Love takes are literally the worst. Where's where's the I've special on Jordan Love? They might be dumpster fire of the year. You have not told I'm me where the special all, Jordan, all Jordan Love Jordan, is. When we do when we do our our award show, I'm gonna take all of your Jordan Love takes, ball them up into one big ball, and throw them sons of bitches right in the dumpster fire of the year. Where's That's the special? How bad those takes are. You have yet to tell me where the special is. There's no special talent there. There's none. It's not there. You can see it. It's not Maybe. there. I, I disagree personally. I, where's I think, the special? Someone tell me. I absolutely you guys, disagree. The Kansas City game, he looked like dog shit. And no one is saying that, oh, no, he looked great. No, that's not how he looked. He had one decent pass. And that's a pass that you should make as an NFL quarterback. And this is a talented roster. We can all agree that. He has talent around him when he was in Kansas City, and he so could not make it work. Roster, your argument is to take the talented roster away from him. Yes, because he's going to need so, more pieces. He's going to need more pieces than just Devontae. Huh, we know that's huh. a fact. Look at all the other quarterbacks. But it's a talented roster. That like, you're not going to be able to... You're talking out of your ass and your mouth at the same time. It's a talented roster, but he needs more pieces. Like, what the... What does that even mean? Think about it. Justin, you can't bring back everyone that's on this current team and bring back Devontae. That's what I'm telling you. Devontae's going to ask for more than the $15 million he's making now, is he not? And you could sign him for 20 Sure. If but Aaron Rodgers retires, you could easily sign him for 20 Yes, but you still have to pay easily. other people on your roster. And keep all the pieces. And keep all the pieces. What should you going to sign for? Go sign more. What Jair sh- isn't... Probably Jair's under uh, fifth-year option that year, I believe. No, he's under this year's his last year, isn't it? No. Because he no, was drafted no, no, no. in 2016. Jair Alexander 2017? is his, in his fourth year. So fifth-year option, but you still have to think, start thinking about re-signing Jair. Like, we can't just... You can't, sign, you can't just sign everyone. And the Packers are already up against the cap space. They're, what, the second-highest cap team in the league? <clears throat> right now? So where you can't just like money, you just can't keep giving so money. So when off. you do, when you take off Aaron Rodgers, and then you take off my sim- uh, Devontae Adams, what is that? That's over forty million dollars. So you, you have here's up. guys who are going to be free agents at the end of the season: Devontae Adams, Kevin King, Big Bob Tunyon, Shannon Sullivan, Devondre Campbell, uh, Lucas Patrick, Dennis Kelly. Tyler Lancaster, Bojo, Oren Burks, EQ, Isaac Yadam, Malik Taylor, Randy Ramsey, Chris Barnes, Henry Black, Dominique Daphne, Alan Lazard, MVS, Chauncey Rivers, and Yash Nijman. So how many of those, uh, maybe a handful of those guys are desperation need to sign back? 
guys who would be or unrestricted free agents the following year, so looking at after next year, Z, Preston, Amos, Cobb, Billy Turner, Dean Lowry, Mason Crosby, Darnell Savage, who has the club option, and you can lock in after this year. Same with Rashawn Gary. They both had that first year or first round pick option. Uh, Jerry Alexander would be a free agent after next year. Mercedes Lewis, Elton Jenkins, Tyler Davis, Kings Lakiki, Patrick Taylor, Steve Wordle, Ty Summers. Uh, they do have to technically sign Brian Goodikins and LaFleur as well. So they're set for next year as well, right? And I think personally Aaron Rodgers is coming back. But if Aaron Rodgers retires, you're still going to have to retool this roster a little bit. And you would rather have the money and bring people in that you need versus hope to get it right. That's all. That, at the end of the day, that's my point. I think that money would be better allocated other places than wrapping it up in one position. And you can disagree with that, but in my opinion, that's the best move. Because I think Jordan Love's going to need a little more help than just Devontae. See, this is where I fall off on your argument. Like, why is it just Devontae? Like, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have just Devontae. Where else in that receiver group do you see, like, oh, that guy's a stud? I think MVS uh, is a very believe, cheap option. Alan Lazard's a very MBA, cheap option. Okay, MVS and Alan Lazard are great, what, three and then fours Robert probably? Tunyon. Who you're going to have to resign. Then you have Aaron Jones. You have A.J. Dillon. Like, you have a $20 million left tackle. You have to re-sign. You're, not, you're going to end up re-signing Elton Jenkins at some point. Elton Jenkins is likely, uh, in the middle of the year to the end of next year, going to be the highest-paid guard in, in football. That I can concede. Then are arguments you can make. But, like, you're not just going to let Devontae Adams walk to get a compensatory pick. Like, that's – you're going to you, – they are, they, I guarantee you, they are going to, at the very least, they are going, they are going to take him and then trade him. And then get maybe your compensation. There's no way they're letting him walk as a street free agent. See, I just, I don't. You can't. You can, though. And that's, I guess that's the point I'm trying to get to. When you talk, start talking, Aaron Rodgers can be gone. In the NFL, you're doing one of two things, and it's the reality of where we're at. You're either getting so, worse to get better, or you're competing for a title. I, where's so the team? Think, the teams are in the middle. Are your teams like the Minnesota Vikings and you know even the Dallas Cowboys for the most part? I think are kind of there too. They kind of just flounder in the middle. To win a title, you either have to get worse, or you have to be getting better. And I. think think Green Bay is going to have to do, they haven't had to do it since 2015 or 2016. They kind of went into a little bit of a soft rebuild, and they came back better. That's what I'm saying. You're probably going to have to go through some sort of a soft rebuild to get some more talent back on the roster to be able to start getting better. I think Jordan Love can win games in the NFL. I think he just needs help to do it. I think he's closer I to Kurt get, Cousins and Baker Mayfield than he is to Aaron Rodgers. That's I my entire get on point. Target. I can get on track if your argument switches from they need to take him and then trade him so they can maximize the amount of assets that they can get around Jordan Love in a rebuild. 
but I cannot get behind just letting him walk scot-free. There's no way that as a business sense that they could do that. And, and, and running the gamble of paying him one year of $20 million and letting him play with an inexperienced quarterback is not much of a gamble. That, that's my point. There is absolutely positively no way you can let him walk as a street free agent, period. Are we sure Devontae at the end of the season, though, isn't going to not want to be here if Aaron's not here? It doesn't matter. You, it, you're talking it does business. matter, though. Because if your star receiver, look what happened with Odell Beckham in Cleveland. If the star receiver doesn't want to be here, if it's a little messy, you have to move him. And I'm not saying that Devontae's going to do that because I think Devontae's a better guy than that. I don't think he's that petty. I'm just saying if Devontae gets to the point where he doesn't want to be here and he wants to get moved, you kind of have to move him. That's fine. That's my argument. Like, we're agreeing right now. We're arguing about different agreements. Moving him. You're not going to let him walk free without anything coming back. A third round compensatory pick is not good enough. But what's the so best wide receiver guess, in the league walk away? I guess my question is though, what's Devontae actually worth? What would you the actually value be able to get of from? what you wanted it to be? He's not I don't think he's worth the first round. Oh my god, are you kidding? I don't. I, I think he's probably a, a second. Team, a team a, a team like a team that's chasing that's chasing a crown. Like it, it, not saying that the Packers were to, going to ever do it. But I mean, take Seattle for instance. They trade picks away or um uh the Rams, for instance, they trade picks away like they're like they're Starburst candy. Yeah, but like, those those two teams don't have picks. That's what I'm kind of getting at. The teams that would be uh, there chasing... is a team that will be chasing that will send picks. I absolutely, I believe he's probably worth worth a first and a third, and that's what I would be asking. Maybe only only because a team that's going to trade for him on a um, on a, a a tag contract, okay, they're just going to give up. They're going to get that third-round compensatory pick back even if they don't resign them. So they just drafted – they just traded a first-round pick for a gamble at going for a championship. Like, like that makes sense. That, that Sure, it's a, it's a gamble a little bit of your future, but you're gambling for – and it's what, it's what we have been bitching about for the last – year and a half or or year now since we we're almost a year old um the packers never go for it right right i don't know that they never they never sell out to go for it and other teams do and if you were in the packers situation and you had general manager that that never looked to rebuild through the draft right and and gambled at going for it like we currently sit as a team that could actually go for it and would should be willing to trade a first round pick for that one guy that could get us over the top. And if you don't think that Devonte Adams is that one guy that could get you over the top, I mean, you're not watching football. He's clearly the best wide receiver in football. I, you know, the thing with Devontae is I think Devontae is an excellent player. I think he works really well with Aaron Rodgers. 
I don't necessarily know how many other quarterbacks though Devontae is going to really work with. Because like Aaron said, right, he's just running random routes. And Aaron and him have been playing sure. together long enough. I don't I, – I, do, I agree with what you're saying. I guess you're right. They probably should tag him and get a pick, right? I just don't know what market out of top five receiver like that's going to have. Because what did DeAndre Hopkins get? DeAndre Hopkins is what? Uh, well, we have got to remember that uh, that was when I believe he they got were a given second and a third. That Houston was selling anything away, for a bag of peanuts and a high five on the way out. But that's so. I mean, that's kind of the market, though, right? I mean, I don't. But even a second and a third is better than a third compensatory. And again, at the gamble of it, you only sign them for a year at twenty million dollars if that's what it goes up to. To play with a young quarterback, that's not a bad. It was a gamble. second and a. It was David Johnson, a second and a fourth. You swapped fourth, so you got David Johnson, who is well past was well past his prime when the trade happened. And then David the Cardinals got they and they got a twenty twenty second round pick, and then they swapped fourths. Or they, I guess uh, the Texans got a fourth for this last draft, and the Cardinals got a fourth. In last year's draft, the 2020 draft. So I suppose you're right. I suppose they're probably not going to let them walk, but I don't know if Devontae's in a Packers next year, I guess. I guess that's where I'm going. That I. I guess I don't I know. I guess. Future, I think his future is very up in the, in the air, but at the very least, they're tagging. But I, I think Aaron's opinion. coming back, though, too. I really do. I think Aaron's going to come back for one more. I sure as hell hope so. The, but it's then, a winning roster. Isn't I that mean, kind of a You've got to think about it. You, you haven't played with your starting left tackle. Or your and two best kind of defensive players. they've matched up some of these contracts. They've matched up some of these contracts now to, to match with Aaron Rodgers' contract. Like Jones. Jones, is he only signed, what, a two-year contract, right? Well, technically it was, it was a four, but it's got two years that are voidable. Right. Oh yeah, I suppose you're right. Which I know matches up. Eric's which matches up. Oh, pat myself on the back. I'm the big E. Which matches up to Aaron Rodgers' contract. What is Bakhtiari signed? He signed for. I think he's on a four or five. I think, I think was, he's four. That was an extension because that starts this year. So I think. Or is it three more? Let me look it up. You guys keep talking. Yeah, I guess it's to just, I would I think that Aaron showed that it was a four year deal. Um, that was an extension. So he will be under contract through this season, next season. 32. He has a he has a, he has an out after twenty twenty three, but he is through twenty twenty three twenty twenty four. And then into 2025 when he'd be 34 years old. So he's they're going to get out of it. They'll avoid it. They're not going to pay a, a, a 30, 34-year-old left tackle 20-some million dollars. Well, what's the odds that he actually plays that long without retiring, though? He would be, at the time, that if his contract goes through the full deal, he'd be turning 34. He is 30 years old right now as we speak. See, I don't think he plays at 34. I think he's probably retiring he's a, two years, you have three to years. Think, right. You, well, I wouldn't say that. But you have to – I would think – I think what you're trying to say is that he's an old 
thirty-year-old. He's played a lot like of games. He's, he's, right. He's played a There's lot, a of, lot games of wear and tear on his. And he played a lot of games where he hasn't. He wasn't injury prone. And over the last couple of years, there's been there has been some injuries. Nope. So and when you can see the type of lineman now that that they're drafting, versatile but big enough, uh, run blocking style type of lineman, he doesn't necessarily. He gets a contract because he has worked himself into as one of the best, if not the best, left tackle in football. But he doesn't necessarily fit the mold of what Matt LaFleur is trying to build in Green Bay. Well, obviously, he has a really good relationship with Aaron Rodgers, too. So that probably doesn't hurt. No doubt about it. You know, and even for what Aaron was saying about, hey, he wants personnel say, there's a lot of guys that are on the team right now because Aaron Rodgers has a good relationship with them. So, I mean, you know, I guess that's uh, something that we all kind of overlook. There's a lot of guys on the roster right now that got paid because Aaron likes them. Right. Randall Cobb. And somehow Randall Cobb keeps showing out. He had a hell of a game last week. What's up with did, his groin? did they come up with it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a hell of a question. Um, good question, though. Randall Cobb, let's see. I don't think it was anything like serious from what I remember and what I've seen. Um he injured on his on his touchdown is when he actually got hurt. Um nothing I'm seeing indicates that there's serious concerns long term. Um from one day ago according to SB Nation no surgery for Rodgers. Cobb says uncertain to buy. So really, nothing in terms of like a stable, like a long-term answer here. Like nothing that's come out, at least on the interwebs here. How good was that buy timing? Like oh, We talked about that last week, didn't we? Man, oh, my God. That late buy is, yeah, that helps a lot this year because if, you know, they're going to come back with some of those guys after the bye. And they're probably going to be rusty. And I don't necessarily know if they're going to necessarily come to wins right away. But it, I don't, as bad as it sounds, I think with how, look, how Green Bay is currently constructed, they can win on the road. I don't really think the seeding is as important this season as it has been in past seasons for Green Bay. Because seeding really mattered. And we've always, we were saying that because. Green Bay there at times, right, they were better at home, and when they were on the road, they got a little finesse. Where this year, that's not necessarily the case. So, I mean, I guess that late buy helps because you're going to get healthy, and even if you come back rusty and drop two games, I'm not afraid of any team in the NFC going on the road. Now, let me ask you, would you rather them have the one seed, or would you rather them... I'd take an extra bye week, seed. 100%. I, this is almost the same argument as last year. We keep having that I'm conversation. Just curious at, and I'm never, I guess at this point, though, I've never, the benefit of the bye, does that actually help? I would say you, with this year's team, the way that they're winning games this year, and the way that their injuries, where you don't know the status of a lot of these guys, 
it only helps. It only helps with Rodgers where if he had, you know, we're still up in the air if he's going to have surgery or not. It won't affect his play time, but they're still up in the air in it. You don't know what you have with Z. You don't know what you have with Jair. You don't even really know what you have for Bakhtiari's health. You say you keep hearing stretch run was at the end of the regular season. Is that maybe two weeks of the regular season and then the playoffs? We really don't know. So what I will say is if they get the number one seed, I love it. I love having that extra bye week, especially with the extra game this year where you're playing an extra week and you don't get that. You know, that that was a big thing with the CBA was that they were hoping to get an extra bye week so the teams would have two bye weeks. You get an extra bye week. You're having one less game to get to the Super Bowl, which is always great. You get that first game at home against, at worst, or at best, probably the four seed, five seed. Five seed, I think. And depending on how the wild card and that the, the West shakes out. So, with the, yeah. without a doubt, I'm sitting here this year. I don't think it's as important as it was last year, but I'm sitting here for the, off the top of the mountaintops. If you can get the number one seed, and if it means you have to play your starters at least for a half against Detroit versus rest of the starters and see what happens, I'm 100% playing for that bye week. See, I, I want to say that, but I would almost... I would say it's just not as important like, as it has been. I don't. I don't. I would, think... I would. I would say this. It would not hurt my feelings. It would. It would. It's dependent on where you would play. Like, I would be okay if we went and played in Arizona. I would not be okay if we went and played in Tampa for an NFC championship. Does that make sense? No, I, I agree because with that hundred percent. I, I don't want to. Yeah, there's a. I I just just at the end of the day, I don't think there's any team that I'm like, oh, I don't want to play them. That's going to be a contender at this point. I maybe not go to San I'm Francisco. Scared. I'm still scared. I'm still. San Francisco is one. If they start getting hot. And I wouldn't want to play. And they're a team that I wouldn't want to play. After a bye week, in the playoffs. In a one-game situation, like they're just not. Mike or Shanahan is a Kyle Shanahan is a master play caller and a master uh, game schemer. And if he knows exactly what he's walking into, um, he's not a guy I would face. I would want to face, and I certainly don't want to face Tampa. Tampa scares me, just pure and simple because of the run defense. That front seven, I've talked about it before. That front seven is as good as any in football. Well, I think at this point, though, Tampa's coming here. I don't think Tampa's going to finish above Green Bay in the final standings. I just I don't see a situation where that happens. I think that worst-case scenario right now, Green Bay's probably the three seed. Dallas has a pretty weak schedule going forward, and Arizona, obviously. But I don't no, think Dallas is a team I would love to go face. Oh, 100%. I agree, but yeah. smack Dallas around. But I don't. That's kind of what I'm getting at. I guess the two teams you don't want to play are what? San Francisco and Tampa Bay? That would be my two. I think I'd have to agree with that. I don't think there's another team I'm like, oh, I don't want to play them. I think Arizona playing them right. again wouldn't be great. I, I know. I think, feel like we're better than them, especially if the whole cast and crew is back. 
But there's just so many athletes that they have, especially if Kyler Murray's playing at 100%. I don't think he's going to, though. And that's people keep saying that Arizona is this and that. And I, I will believe it when I see Arizona. I, I'm the one purely team. going on just the fact that athletic quarterbacks kill Green Bay in the playoffs in our lifetime. I have flashbacks to Colin Kaepernick. I have flashbacks to Michael Vick. It, I just I need to see us conquer that demon. I need to see that demon conquered, and then I'd want... Obviously, the Tampa Bay demon would need to be conquered, but you really look at it. I mean, I, I don't want to have like one of those freezing cold take moments, but you have, like, I mean, we've conquered so many demons this year. We went out and kicked San Francisco's butt. Not literally because it was done to a Mason Crosby field goal, but that game wasn't necessarily close. We though. beat them in an environment that we traditionally haven't beat them before. Especially, you know, you think about how injury late in that team was at that point. Because that's the first week without Elton Jenkins, the first right. go around. You look at beating Arizona on a short week with without. Devontae Adams without your whole cast and crew there, and, and you lose Bob Tunyon in that game, and you still grit out a win. You look at different wins here. You the know, Rams game. The Rams week. game this last week, just another one of those gritty wins that you were clearly the better team for sixty full minutes too. It wasn't like you had to but, sneak it by and get it done. Sixty full minutes, you were the better team, and it showed. And the game wasn't as close as it looked. But it never was close either. It's two big plays that got you. But until they can beat that that speedy quarterback, that one always scares me a little bit. But uh, just to wrap up here, I mean, we've gone for a long time here. Just to wrap up, <laughs> <laughs> um, we look at what we are going to look forward to. I mean, we got we can talk more Packers next week after the award show uh, as we look forward to a Sunday night matchup against the Bears. We'll get to that next week. Not really a whole lot of Badgers' talk here. So I guess with that, why don't we wrap this thing up and say what we are rooting for in the upcoming week. I'm going to go kind of the, the corny route here. I'm going to go that everyone just wears jerseys this weekend on Friday. I know we talked about it earlier in the show, and it was oh, two hours ago. But just it, it's a really simple thing to do. And you know something that if it happened in a different state, maybe, but this is something that happened in our, in our backyard. Um, just to wear a jersey. It's kind of getting around the internet. The Brewers actually officially tweeted it out. Christian Yelich has put it on his social media um, just to wear any baseball jersey, any jersey really, but jerseys for Jackson. That's what I'm rooting for this weekend. I don't want to follow that. I just root for college football to be chaotic. But well, that too. I guess I, I'll just... I, uh, I'm certainly going to vote. I'm, I'm certainly going to... Uh, echo your sentiments, Eric. I hope, I hope that goes off uh, splendidly. I hope a lot of people support it. Um, just want to say again, another tragedy that has happened within our world of a school shooting out there in Oxford, Michigan. Uh, thinking about those people. Um, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm hoping for a, a, a great weekend of football. Um, some, some really good football. Uh, the game I'm really looking forward to um, the most might shock you guys, and that would be the Oklahoma State-Baylor game. Uh, really cheering. Uh, I'm torn because I'm a huge Mike Gundy fan in the, in the pokes. I uh, hope, hope they can do it, but I'm also a huge Dave Aranda fan uh, as he was our defensive coordinator some years ago. Um, 
and he's in he was the one that really started to to kick off uh our greatness of defense before um we we got leonard and, and justin wilcox so uh just just hoping for all of that to happen rooting for it um and and still thinking of all the people with uh some tragedies going on all right so on the heavy note this is the root for wisconsin show episode 51 is in the books guys almost a full year we are going to have our yearly award show next week. Um, I'm, I'm going to work on seeing if we can get a, maybe a guest to join us for a little bit too in there. Um, that's not officially confirmed yet, but we'll see how that plays out. But yes, award show next week to kind of review the craziness that has been the year of Root for Wisconsin. So we thank you for listening. Uh, we hope you check in next week with that award show. And we are out. We'll talk to you next week. See you. Bye. Salud.